Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Mary! What? Where's my top? Wherever you left them. Uh, did you see me flip-flops? Ah, uh, here. Make your next holiday fuss-free with an Avantcard personal loan. With personalized pricing that's made for you, at least there's one less thing to worry about. Find out more at avantcard.ie. Let me snorkel! Snorkel! Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Avancard DAC trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. That's the great thing about sports. You play to win. And I don't care if you don't have any win. You go play to win. When you start telling me it doesn't matter, then we're tired. Get out. But it matters. Anybody can be beat. So how did that just feel? Feel great. Poetic justice. everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of let's talk jets radio this is your host tyson roush and i am joined by my very good friend joe from long beach and there's a lot of things to talk about tonight we actually have some actual football news we could talk about with some roster moves some potential candidates that are could be off the market so before we go into any of that we can be reached at 929-477-2651 on twitter we're at talk jets radio so we hope to hear from you guys and share some opinions on some – there's plenty of hot takes to go on tonight. Uh, so with that said, Joe, man, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. I'm excited. Another great show. Ready to go, man. Ready to talk Jets. How's everything going with you? Dude, I'm hanging in there. You know, And, you know, there's some news actually this week. Some roster decisions were made that, you know, weren't surprising to probably either one of us. And we'll start with the first one. The first one is the Jets decided to not um, – you know, not opt with Chris Johnson. They started to opt out with Chris Johnson, making him a free agent. And for both of us, that's not a surprise. I mean, the surprise may be that he's actually opening his mouth and trashing Idzik. But, I mean, Joe, are, are you surprised that all the Jets went in a different direction with Chris Johnson? Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think he was kind of on a show-me deal anyway. Uh, that's the way his deal was actually set up. And 
he just wasn't, you know, just didn't turn out to be what we necessarily needed. Uh, I read the article as well, some of the things that he spoke about that, you know, he may have been promised certain things as far as his role in the offense, which, you know, I kind of remember that as well where he was, where it was spoken about that he was going to be kind of put in, in situations to be dynamic and he was going to be a guy that was going to be split out wide and they were going to do different things with him. And that just, it just didn't work out that way uh, with the offense, but, you know, good riddance to him. I hope he finds a, you know, where he needs to be, and, and that's it. I think we just really need to move on and, uh, you know, get a better back in here because he just, he just wasn't going to be a, a, a force for us, I don't think. Yeah, and I, I had two takes on that. The first take is you're not better than Chris Ivory, and we all know that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I understand he, he was supposed to be a complimentary back, a change of pace, catch the ball in the backfield, and I think when they did throw the ball to him, it was kind of expected and he got lit up. But the other thing is, you know, it's like, you hear Idzik, 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 and I know we're not going to pile on because we've moved on. It's, a, it's the old regime, things like that. But the thing is, what the hell is Rex Ryan doing then? You know, if, if Idzik is making all these decisions, and this reminds me of what Brian Custer told us a couple weeks ago, and Brian Custer said he was surprised when Woody Johnson would sit in meetings and Rex Ryan wouldn't speak up. So basically it's saying that Idzik would say things, Rex would say, okay, boss, and that's what happened. And I think that's why Idzik got fired, and that's why Rex got fired. Yeah, when I read that, when I read that as well, that's the same exact thing that I thought. It kind of takes the steam out of things when you when you try to defend Rex, where you know it's it's pretty much you're hearing the same thing, like you said. You know, it, there were things being done and things being said, and the thing like Rex didn't really say too much of anything about them, and that that's why he's gone as well. So I totally agree with that. Yeah, like I said, it's it's the old regime. I think these these comments would have warranted more of a discussion if these guys are both still in place. But they're not, so we can move on from that. And the next big yeah. news is the Jets decided to keep um, – they, they extended the options on Jason Babin and Calvin Pace, which to me is a very smart move, and I have reasons why, but I want to get your take on that. Yeah, I think they're extremely smart as well, solid veteran guys. Jason Babin showed – especially Jason Babin. He's a guy that showed you know, that he still had a little bit left in his tank. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of Quentin Copel. Um, you don't know, you know, where we're going to go with him as well. But Jason Babin showed you that he can still rush the passer in certain parts and get pressure as well, and he's still a quality lineman. Uh, we're still sitting at that linebacker position with pace as well. So why, you know, get rid of him if, you know, he can come in with a, you know, a solid deal. He's not costing too much money. Um, and he knows the system, knows the scheme, knows the players. He's a veteran. He knows where he needs to be. And, uh, you know, he can still play decently at this level. So I don't see why you would get rid of either of those players. And like you said, I think it was a solid move. And before I give you my take on this, which one do you think, just based on what little we know about Todd Bowles and his defense, which one can you see being having a better season? I'm going to say that I think Babin will have a better season, and I think it's because Babin will have chances to, uh, you know, definitely put in positions to rush the passer. Uh, Calvin Pace is a guy that I think he's, he's going to come off the edge. He's going to do his thing, but Abbott is going to be right down there with Muhammad Wilkinson. Hopefully, if we you know get him resigned, but he's still going to be here for a year, and the rest of those linemen as well. And I think that Babin is going to be able to be put in a position to just rush the passer all the time. You know, he's going to probably be there, probably more than Copeland. He's probably going to be on the field. So I think Babin has a chance of just having a better season. And you know, we are we are completely on the same page here and, and I'll give you my quick take on this is I, I think it's a smart move first off because 
you have two veteran linebackers that are – they still have gas left in the tank, and they come very mm-hmm. cheap. It's not like they're not breaking the salary cap. They're, boy, they're coming – I mean, Babin's extremely cheap. But so mm-hmm. it's – in terms of a veteran leaders, in terms of depth, right off the bat you have that, which is a good thing. You know, and they can help you implement your system. You know, the other thing too is you're not tied to them. If you get to training camp, it doesn't work out, guess what? You cut them, and you're not breaking the bank on it. So to me, that's another good thing. So, you know, it's like if you want to bring in a rookie guy, what better, you know, a rookie, you draft a rookie, what better guy to have to teach in the Calvin Pace? The other thing, too, is, and like you touched on it, is I agree about Jason Babin. Jason Babin's shown flashes last year where he's explosive off the edge, he's a relentless pass rusher, relentless motor. Now, you think about it, in obvious passing situations under Todd Bowles, I think he could be, a, he could be an asset. I think he could be a legitimate weapon as we try to get something more out of Copels, or we try to you know, incorporate a new pass rusher. I don't see a downside of having Jason Babbitt on this roster, especially with the flash he showed last year. He's not going to be, he's not going to play 80 snaps a game. You give him 25 snaps, all passing, you know, pass rushing opportunities. And I don't think, I mean, Joe, I don't think it's a bad thing. I really don't. Yeah. Like you said, uh, that third down, you know, third and long, he's going to come in and he's going to be coming off that edge. Babbitt is definitely going to get, his opportunities, and I, I, I like I like him uh, bringing him back and extending him. It was definitely a good move. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, it's funny because when the when the moves were announced right off the bat, everybody, you know, that you know, some portion of Jet fans were like, oh my god, you know, the the, the old guys, we're not getting new, we're, you know, we need new talent, we need young talent. You know, you got to build a roster with depth, and these guys mm-hmm. are smart, they're affordable, and they're they're and they're quality players, especially Calvin Place. Who's a Calvin Pace? He's a respected veteran. He brings a lot to the table. I think he still can do some things. And you know the other thing too is he could be a pass rusher. I mean, under Rex, he dropped into coverage a lot. He was asked to do a lot of things. You can make him a pass rusher, and he showed the ability to do some. You know, they had the ability to get to the quarterback. So I, I mean, I just think we're nitpicking a little bit, and I think these guys are both, you know, decent moves. I think they were smart moves. You know, now going forward, you know, the obvious conversation is Percy Harvin, which we've talked about over and over, we saw some discussions where Percy Harvin was like going to get cut like two days ago, and of course that's not going to happen. And Joe, to be honest with you, I don't think anything's going to happen with Percy Harvin until the first week of free agency. I told you. I told everybody. Um, I think, honestly, we're stuck with him. One guy that I think no one's really talking about, because the Bears haven't really figured out, I don't think they figured out what they're actually going to do with him, is Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall is a guy that I think could end up being on the free agent market, that if we sign him, that may be able to affect Piercy Harvin. I don't think we'll get Fitzgerald if he gets if he hits free agency. I don't think we'll get Andre Johnson if he hits free agency. But I think there's a shot at us getting Brandon Marshall because there's baggage with him as well. Um, and I think he's a guy that isn't necessarily so far out of his prime that it's all about just winning a Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. I think he does want to win a Super Bowl just like every other receiver in this league, but I think he's still willing to go to a team that will pay him just enough and bring him in as a starter, and, and he can still be productive as well. Um, you know, he's nicked up from time to time, but he can still play with those injuries as well. We saw that when he was with the Bears. So that's a guy that I'm, that I'm looking to see what happens with him. But if he don't hit free agency and if he don't come to this team, I don't think there's anything we can do with Piercy. I don't think, I don't think we can't cut him. I've said that a million times. I really don't. What do you think? Well, it's a good, it's a good question, and the thing is, like we talk about a lot of these wide receivers, and there's a good chance that a good portion of them are going to get locked up before anything even comes down. Like you, you could almost take Demarius Thomas, Des Bryant, and possibly Randall Cobb, Jeremy Macklin. You take off those top five guys off the board, 
you've got a whole different situation here now. Now you're talking about guys like Michael Trabtree. You're talking about you know Fitzgerald, Andre Johnson. And then you, you, you even say this, with Andre Johnson and Fitzgerald, at this point in their careers, they want to play with a top-level quarterback, and they want to win. Is that the Jets? Probably not. So now your pool keeps shrinking a little bit more, where it could happen to the fact where it's like, okay, it, Percy Harvin is a glaring option that you already have in your building, so to speak. Brandon Marshall is an interesting player, um, doesn't have the same explosive ability as Percy Harvin. What kind of contract would you talk with him? Oh, with Brandon Marshall, the numbers, I would probably give him maybe a two-year deal. I would say maybe cause to bring him in, I think you have to give him anywhere between five and possibly seven million. Um, that that would be that would be the deal that I would look to give him. I, I'm not saying what you would get at other markets. I'm just saying it's for the Jets. Uh, five to seven million somewhere. If you can meet somewhere in the middle of there, maybe even six, six point five, something like that. That'll be fine. Uh, otherwise, you know, that that that's all we looking to give him. Otherwise, he can you know hit the bricks. Yeah, and see the thing is with Brandon Marshall too. He's gonna be turning 31 years old. He also mm-hmm. may fall into the he also may be fall into the category of a Fitzgerald and Andre Johnson, where it's like, hey, you know what, man, I'm 31 years old. I want to go to a winner. I don't want to I don't want to yeah. wonder who the quarterback is. I want to know who the quarterback is. I want to win. Mm-hmm. And if the Jets and this is this is the concern I have with guys like that is I think the Jets, in order to sign them, are going to have to overpay. I think you know, like if you say just for example, just say. I don't know. Say the Packers. If the Packers, not that's probably a bad example. Say the Cowboys. The Cowboys <laughs> re-signed Des Bryant. No, because they, they re-signed Des Bryant, but they want another another yeah. really good number two. They say, you know what, Brandon Marshall, you come here, but we can only afford five million a year. The Jets say, you know what, you can come here, but we'll offer you seven million a year. You know, what I mean, it, I think that's the kind of situation they're going to be in, where in order to get a veteran free agent to have some miles on his tires, still talented but has some miles, I think you can probably have to overpay for them. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, that that was that was part of my argument. That's been part of my argument as well. Is that bringing other guys in, we're gonna have to overpay them. When I spoke about the Brandon Marshall deal, that's that's just a deal that could work for us. But other than that, you're looking at guys like you said. If you pull Demarius off the off the market and you pull Dez off the market, because honestly, they're probably not gonna get out of the the organizations that they're at. Those guys are gonna sign them more than likely. Uh, you know that field, you you might be paying. Uh, exactly what you are close to, very close to what you're already playing Harvin for a guy that, you know, is in you know, 31, 32 at the end of his career, and then, you know, just to bring him in when there's other situations he may go to. And that's, that's again, that's another thing that I think works against us as far as us trying to re-sign Harvin. It's, it's going to be hard to bring him in. It's going to be hard to threaten him to say, listen, you need to bring your cap number down or, you know, we're going to sign this guy or we're going to sign that guy. Or you need to bring your cap number down and we're going to cut you. Because if we cut him, again, we go back to ground zero with no field stretcher. And we either go into a draft and we draft a rookie, rookie uh, wide receiver, which, you know, they don't always pan out. Or, you know, we end up looking like we did before we got Harvin uh, at the beginning of the season when our, when our offense had issues uh, stretching the field and we couldn't get a guy to, you know, stretched the defense, and, and we had no explosion on this team. And that was that was hard to watch as well. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, and you can make a very good argument for and against Percy. You know, it's interesting, man. It's like, you know, the, the only thing the Jets have in their favor is they have to March 19th to make that decision, which is a good thing. Now, what is your take on a Josh McCown, which was rumored, you know, to possibly go into the Bills? 
uh, another game manager, another guy that you can bring in, and, you know, he's not going to wow you. He doesn't have anything. There's nothing really truly amazing about him, but he's just a stopgap guy, a guy that you bring in that, uh, you know, is going to get you to the next quarterback that might be your franchise quarterback, a guy you can bring in to deal with for a year uh, until you find your franchise quarterback, until you draft him or get somebody out of free agency or something. If, if that's not a guy that I would be – clamoring about coming to play for the with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that Learn more at marines.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Yes. Um, you know, when, there, when there's other options out there uh, that we can bring in and guys that, like, like we spoke about, Sam Bradford, uh, Colt McCoy, uh, you know, we've spoken about different guys. I would even take Mallet over him uh, because I believe Mallet's upside uh, is greater than his, even though we always talk about Mallet's upside and he never really – uh, beats out the guy in front of him, but even Malice's upside is, is greater than his. So uh, I, I'm I'm not clamoring over McCown at all. Yeah, the thing is, like, you know, when I when I saw McCown going to the Bills, I started laughing. I'm like mm-hmm. Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan right off the bat found his first built-in excuse: the quarterback. He's like <laughs> he he has a he has a game manager to support his elite defense mm-hmm. and his running game. That's a that was my first thought. I started laughing like Rex is looking for a game manager. And then I was like, mm-hmm. based on our conversations that we've had, if Josh McCown went there, I wouldn't really care. It's a non-factor to me. He doesn't scare me. He's not a piece of puzzle that I've even considered. But then you start thinking, and it's, you know, over the past couple of days, rumors have started to happen where it's like Ryan Mallett could resign with the Texans. You know, Sam mm-hmm. Bradford could stay with the Rams. Slowly but surely, like the wide receivers, pieces that we've discussed are kind of could not be available. So now it's like, okay, if Ryan Mallett stays with the Texans and is anointed their starter, which was the one report, which not necessarily starts true, does Ryan Fitzpatrick come available? And is Fitzpatrick a guy we kind of consider? It's, it's funny how, like, we assume certain things, but slowly but surely some of these pieces are coming off the table, if, if you believe the reports, which could may or may not be true. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if Mallett goes, mm-hmm. all right, do you consider – you, I'll ask you this question – do you consider a Jake Locker then if Mal goes? Do you would you rather have and this is a conversation we had on Twitter today with a couple of different fans of the show was would you rather have a young guy like Jake Locker who's has injury concerns but it showed potential over a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick? My thing about yeah, I'd rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick and it's simply because of Jake's injury concerns. Jake has the tools. And he's also a mobile guy too. He can get outside the pocket. I mean he's not a, a burner. He's not a Michael Vick when he played with Atlanta. That's not who he is. But he's definitely a guy that can move and uh, throw the ball on the run as well. But his injury concerns are so great. I mean, he's always, you know, take, taking bad shots and he's always injured. Ryan's a guy that I think, you know, he's a smart quarterback. He's another game manager guy. He doesn't wow you. 
Um, you know, he, he put together some pretty decent games with the Texans, though. Uh, he had one game where he really went off the charts with it, uh, and, and, and Hopkins had a, a great game that game as well. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that's a stopgap guy, a guy that I believe is a, uh, you know, a guy that you just – you get to move on to the next quarterback. You get to find your, you know, your your franchise quarterback, just another stopgap guy. So I'm not – I wouldn't mind Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a stable guy, like I said, a game manager. Jake Locker, I would love him if he wasn't injured all the time, but he is. <laughs> but here's my here's my question to you, though. I understand what you're saying, but would you rather have – in terms – do you think Geno is going to get a legitimate shot, especially in a spread oh. offense, and would you rather have a young guy pushing him or an older guy pushing him? I'd rather have an older guy pushing him because that older guy is going to know the ins and outs. He's going to know about about that, that position. He's going he's gonna to be the vet there. He's going to know how to study tape. He's going to know – how to put things together. He's also seen a lot of the stuff that's going on in the league as far as schemes and reading defenses and all that stuff. And he can also teach Gino. I don't think Gino has ever – I don't think Gino's going to listen to a younger guy, and I don't think Gino's going to listen to somebody that isn't necessarily going to push him, and I don't think Jake Locker's going to be able to field enough to push him. But I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy that is definitely going to continue to push Gino to the next step and the next level because if he does not perform like he should perform – then Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy that can definitely take his spot. Um, we saw Fitzpatrick do a whole lot of things with the Texans, like I spoke about earlier, um, a guy that has put together complete games. Uh, we saw him with the Bills as well. He, he got a big contract out of that. He, he was in Gailey's offense, uh, saw a couple things about Gailey's offense as well. So he's a guy that can come in, and he's not, he's not some you know, little cornball that's just going to sit behind Geno and not, not have anything and not give him a threat. He definitely can give Geno – uh, a definitely run for his money if he plans on starting. Well, Joe, you know, it's funny. We're talking about offense, talking about quarterbacks. We have a very mm-hmm. special guest on the line right now, and this is uh, Tommy Wahanna from the New York Jets. Tommy, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing tonight, man? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing okay. great, man. Thank you, you so much for calling in. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, no problem at all. Tommy, I'll get we'll started. Before, you know, obviously, it's the off season. Everybody's excited. There's, you know, some new changes before we go into your rehab, what was it like playing for Rex Ryan? You know, Rex is a great coach. He's a great motivator, and honestly, he's a great players coach. He, everybody loves to play for him, and that was the one thing that is kind of sad to see you go. I mean, you see Rex, and now he's in Buffalo, so we got to play him twice a year, so that's going to be interesting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a great coach for us, and he was a great motivator. He definitely made you want to play for him, and you were definitely always up for the game, no matter what. Yeah, I think everybody, fans alike, just had a tremendous amount of respect for Rex, his passion, his integrity for the game, and everything else. And have you had a chance to talk to your new head coach, Todd Bowles, yet? You know, I've I've talked to him a little bit. I haven't been able to talk to him a lot, obviously. He's really busy with getting a new team, and now he's at the Combine and all that. So I haven't talked to him a lot. I've talked to him for about 10 or 15 minutes, probably tops. Yes, Tommy. Uh, I was wondering, what do you think about Chan Gailey uh, being the offensive coordinator? How do you think you'll fit into his system? You know, everything that I've seen on him is that he maximizes his players' potential and does everything he can to get his players into his game plan. So I think that that's something that's going to be a strong suit for us all together and be able to put put our players where they need to be to make plays and be successful. So I think that's a good thing to have as an offensive coordinator and an innovative mind 
to be able to do all that. So I think that he's going to put me in all the positions that I need to be to be successful and to play well and continue to progress throughout the, my contract. Yeah, I think it's definitely it's definitely an exciting time because everything you read about Chan Gailey, he puts a lot of guys in space and with a chance to make plays. So with that being said, how's your recovery doing? I mean, if you follow you on Twitter, which you're an excellent follow on Twitter, it's all about your intense workouts, throwing around some crazy weights. How's your rehab coming along? You know, I, I was actually cleared um, before the season ended, but being on the IR, I wasn't able to come back. So I, I was cleared, but I was just actually with our weight room staff and all that doing my uh, running and conditioning as well as uh, lifting. And actually, it was pretty much I started my off-season program while the season was still going. Oh, that's awesome news. That's great news to hear. Now, do you have any do you have any goals or new, like, training methods you're doing this off-season to prepare for 2015? You know, I'm just trying to be – I just go into the weight room and then I go into the on, my on-field speed workouts and things like that. I'm trying to be a better football player, and that's all I'm really trying to do. I'm trying to be more explosive, be able to get in and out of breaks faster, um, be able to block better. I do I do a little bit of everything, and as you said, on my Twitter and on my Instagram, I like to post things so that people can see what I'm doing through the off season and things like that. Uh, so with Geno Smith playing, you know, being so up and down as he was last season, what do you think actually was the cause of that? Um, and where do you think that he definitely uh, progressed uh, in, in his in his talent as far as skill wise? You know, I, I honestly I think that uh, it's it's rough whenever you you have to go in and play whenever your team's losing all the time. I mean, that's not just Gino; that's everybody. It's tough to go out there and you go on a, a skid where you're going three four games without a win. It's it's tough for everybody, so I think that it's not just on Gino; it's on everybody. I think for him to play well, you have to have the receivers play well and not drop balls and do things like that. You have to have the run game up every game, which I mean, we were one of the best rushing rushing teams in the in the league, so we always have that. But I think that it's something that you have to just, as a team, as an offense, you have to bring everything together. It's not just on Gino; it's on everybody for him to play well because. For the same reasons, I mean, for me, I need the offensive line to do their job so that they can, so that I can get to my guy and then spring the running back and things like that. So I think that a lot of stuff gets put on the quarterback because, I mean, that's the nature of the position, but you got to think of it as an entire offense and not just, you know. Yeah. So, so with the, with the, with the progression from him to Mike, uh, when Mike Vick was actually able to get in and he was starting game, what was that like moving on from Gino to Mike? Was there any kind of dissension in the locker room or were were people feeling differently about the move? You know, whenever you go in and, like I said, you are you need to make a change somewhere where if you're losing a certain amount of games in a row. So I think that it was kind of understood that it, a change needed to happen and that was our change and we were hoping for a spark from that. So there's definitely no no arguments or anything like that in the locker room. It was just something like, you know what, we need a change. Maybe this is what's going to spark us and help us out throughout the rest of the season. We're talking right now live with Tommy Bohannon from the New York Jets. And first of all, we greatly appreciate you joining us. Is there a particular running back or a style of back that you try to you know, study their game tape and, and try to follow their skill sets or build off their skill sets? You know – 
I try to be as versatile as possible. So I like watching a lot of older guys like Mike Allstar. That's someone that I really watched growing up and being from Florida and him being in Tampa his whole career. It was definitely somebody that I aspired to be whenever I was younger, and that's someone who I try to kind of take some stuff from him, like his running ability and things like that. And then I try to also look at the guys that were like great blockers, like say – Lorenzo Neal or Vontae Leach, and I try to I try to kind of combine everything so that I'm a complete fullback and not really just one or the other. Yeah, and that's interesting you mentioned that because like right now like we do a lot of like you know free agency shows and draft shows, and it seems like every team now wants this versatile running back then that you know can catch, run, block, do all these things and. Do you do you see it as the fullback as kind of like a, a dying breed where it's like you have to be either like a at least a receiving threat in order to keep like a, a consistent career in the NFL? You know, I don't think that there's ever going to be a fullback that just can only just run ISO 35 times a game anymore. I think, like you said, you definitely need somebody that's able to go out and catch balls out of the backfield and maybe move around, split out some play running back as well, do a little bit of everything, like be a third down back maybe, and then be able to block and do all the things that a typical fullback is supposed to do, along with all the run threats and catching the ball out of the backfield and things like that. But for a traditional just line them up and block fullback, I I don't really see that as being viable in the NFL very often anymore. Yeah, and with that said, uh, you you know you played alongside Chris Ivory. Can you please tell us what kind of teammate Chris Ivory is, and what exactly do you think he brings to the team? You know, he's kind of a silent assassin. He's not he's a guy that doesn't really <laughs> talk that much, but once he gets on the field, it's it's a different type of guy. He's he's gonna run you over. He's gonna juke. He's gonna do. He's gonna try to knock you out pretty much, and he's gonna bring it all four quarters. So it's definitely it's definitely exciting to be able to be back in the backfield with him and block for him and watch him do his thing. Okay. And and also, Piercy Harvin, we, we, we speak about him every single week. You know, his deal's coming up. Um, and, and, you know, there's been different things said about, you know, bringing him back or cutting him. Uh, with with that said, what do you feel like he brings to the team, and, and, and what do you feel like he does for the team on the field as well? I mean, he gives you so many threats just in one player. You look at it, he had he – had, a lot of rushes for us. He caught the ball. He did a little bit of everything for us. So I think it's something that it brings another versatility, another playmaker that can bring the ball or go the distance anytime he touches the ball in any way. You just He's the type of player that you have to find ways to get him the ball because that's how explosive he is and that's what kind of playmaker he is. So I think that being on the field and having him be a focal point, I think it definitely helps the rest of the offense be able to get the ball a little bit more and get into a better flow. I mean, you see Decker, once Percy kind of came on, Decker had more catches and was doing well as well, uh, better as well because everybody was kind of – there was more to focus on on the offense because of you have an extra playmaker on the field. Yeah, that's an excellent point. It seemed like all the pieces in the puzzle started to fall in place. Now – what I guess you know when you first came to the NFL, what was it like coming to the New York market with all like you know you have Rex Ryan, you have all this, the media surrounding all these headlines like that. Was it what was the biggest like adaptation you had to make to this market? You know, coming from Wake Forest in North Carolina, where you probably see one or two reporters the entire time that you're there every week, the same guys. 
then you come here and there's 30, 40 people in the locker room as soon as you get done with practice. So I think that's kind of the biggest adjustment that you have to make for the market, just media standpoint, is that you have to be ready to be on right away as soon as you get done with practice. You can't kind of take a break and relax and kind of get into a mode. You have to go out and you have to keep your keep yourself poised so that you can talk to the media and not kind of come off as a jerk or anything like that. Now, do you feel do you feel like a like do you read like newspaper clippings all this throughout the season? Like you know, like when things start to go poorly for a team, you know, especially in this market, the media likes to pile on and they, you know, very critical of almost every aspect of the team. Only four percent of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means one hundred percent of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Do you read the, the papers and listen to the radio? You kind of just kind of block it all out and do your own thing. You know, I, I really don't look at it during the season. I'll look at it after the season sometimes just to see what they were saying. But during the season, I kind of just like to focus in on football and keep football, football, and then come home and keep my family life separate. So I just I like to keep it separate and just focus on football whenever I have to. And then once I'm at home, I'm not I'm not reading anything online or anything like that. I'm either in my playbook or just spending time with my wife. Yeah, so with that said, you know, you you run behind a pretty solid offensive line. I was wondering who you think are, are who's the best who's the Jets best offensive lineman and why? I mean, you really have to go with Nick Mangold. I mean, he's the he's kind of the focal point of our offensive line. He's the he's the guy that's bringing all the calls and everything. He's switching the line with their protections. He's the mastermind and he's so smart and knows pretty much what the defense is doing before they do. So it's definitely something that helps us out a lot because he sits there and you'll be looking at it and you'll read it one way, he'll call it another way because he's seen it and he knows what's going to what's gonna happen. And 99% of the time he's right. So whenever he calls the defense whichever way, like whenever he calls the mic, you'll think that it's somebody else. But as soon as he calls it, that's usually the guy that's going to come on a blitz or anything like that. So he definitely makes your life a lot easier just being the kind of head of the offensive line. Yeah, Nick Nick Mangold's also a fan favorite. Everybody loves his passion, especially mm-hmm. when he's defending his quarterbacks on the field when things start to go a little haywire and things like that. And I guess, Tommy, my question for you is, you know, towards the end of last season or towards the middle of the season, there was a lot of, like, articles and things questioning the, the leadership in the Jets locker room and, like, you know, the work ethic and studying tape and things like that. As a player, do you take those kind of comments personally? Like, is it, does, it, does it annoy you or bother you? And could you share some just, like, insight of, like, the atmosphere in the locker room, which most of us thought was a really tight-knit group and things like that? You know, we definitely are a tight-knit group. And, I mean, I think being – this is my only pro team, but coming from college, it's really kind of became the same thing for me from college to now with the Jets. I mean, we're just as tight as we were in college. And, you know, in college, you're 18 to 22, you're kind of growing up together. So for me, I think that it's kind of the same, same thing, even though there's older guys and younger guys in the locker room, it's a really tight knit brotherhood. And 
you know, the type of things, like you said, like, if you're saying that we're not preparing, we're professionals. We take this stuff seriously. It's something, it's our job. We have to be prepared during the game or else we could get fired. I mean, it's a very fluid business as you see. So we're preparing as much as we can so that we can do our best on Sunday. So it is an insult for somebody to say that, you know what, they didn't prepare this week because we take this stuff very seriously. And we're in the, we're in the, meeting rooms more than we're out on the practice field preparing watching tape things like that as a group not just one-on-one time but as a group we're in there doing our things and making sure that we're getting everything together so that when we're on the field you know whenever like I said when Nick calls something you see it that same way and try to get everything done and get your protections right and your run blocks and all that all together and like and Nick Mangold's a guy that he gets mentioned often on this show. It's about you know like he's a, a Pro Bowl center. He, he's a very very good player. And sometimes people say like they question like is he is he a vocal leader things like that. Is Nick Mangold a kind of a leader? He's more like he, you lead by actions or is he like who do you think are like the vocal leaders on offense? Um, I mean, honestly, Gino is a very vocal guy on the sideline and things like that. Nick is more of a kind of watch me and lead-by-example type of guy, but Gino was the one that was very vocal and trying to get the offense up, especially when we were in the lulls of the season and things like that. He was definitely the one that was trying to get the team up and get them going. So, And I think that's something you need as a quarterback is somebody that's going to get up and help you out and try to get you up and ready to go. Yeah, it's definitely it pays dividends probably on and off the field just in terms of inspiration, motivation, things like that. Well, we have a lot of Jets fans listening, Tommy, so we definitely appreciate you calling in. Do you have a message for Jet fans this year? I mean, it seems like there's a lot of excitement in the air. Everybody's excited. Not that change is always a good thing, but it seems like Todd Bowles inspired a lot of people with his words and with the you know with the plan that everybody has in place. Do you have a message for all the Jet fans out there? You know, I'm definitely excited for this next year, and like you said, Coach Bowles is a very knowledgeable guy. Everywhere he's been, he's been successful. So I think we just need to trust him, and he's going to have a plan in place for us to succeed. And he's been a top defense the entire time he's been a defensive coordinator. So now we get to see him kind of make that next step and bring bring in Coach Gailey and everything. He's gonna It's definitely going to help us out, and it's going to make us better. And I think that it's something that's going to be very exciting to watch coming forward for the next few months and then, into August and September, whenever we actually get to start. Well, Tommy, well, first of all, we're glad to hear that you're recovering well and you're rehab well. We're excited to see you back on the field. And we're excited to see you in Channing Gailey's offense, which I think is going to open up plays for everybody. So we want to thank you for calling in. We definitely appreciate it. And we'll def- we'll share your Twitter handle and your Instagram because you, you post some crazy videos of your weight, man. That, <laughs> the way you throw around, that's some pretty impressive stuff, man. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for having me on. I'm, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, you do. Well, Joe, we had a lot of little impromptu there. That was our uh, Tommy Bohannon, mm-hmm. which shared some awesome information, man. It, it's a guy that once he got hurt, kind of like, we, you know, kind of felt the radar a little bit, but he can make some plays in this offense. And I always like we brought to the table because he's a, he's a versatile player. Yeah, and, and that's why I had to ask the question of where he felt like he fit in Chan Gailey's offense. I want to see what Chan can actually do with Tommy because, like you said, he's a guy that's versatile, and when he can – we can get. I think if we can get him in space, he can definitely make some moves and make some plays. No, he definitely can. It's like you know what. And the one thing we've been talking about this entire 
offseason so far is having guys and catch the ball out of the backfield, compliments to Chris Ivory, and there's no reason why he can't be that guy. I mean, don't you think? I mean, there's, I mean, if you have an offensive coordinator that supposedly always finds plays for every guy, he maximizes the potential of each player, I think Tommy Behannon would fall into that category. Absolutely. Uh, he's a guy that, I, like I said, I want to see him get his opportunity, uh, see what he does in the offense, especially, you know, Get, being able to, you know, sit behind uh, Chris Ivory or be behind Chris Ivory and, you know, give Chris Ivory a rest and come in and, and, and rest shop and just do what he needs to do and, uh, you know, make plays as well. So I'm, I'm excited to see what, what Tommy does this year under Chan. And he's another guy, like, you know, like we talked last week about options in the offense, and, you know, you kept saying instead of adding another playmaker, feature Jason Morrow more, you know, do things mm-hmm. like that. And this is, these are guys like this where you don't need to have a splashy signing. You maximize mm-hmm. resources. You get more balls to your tight ends. You get more, you know, catches out of the backfield, things like that. And that's how you get productive yards. You keep the chains moving, and it gives you value. And, it, you know, I think, it's, I think sometimes we get caught up in the names too much. We don't, you've got to utilize everybody in the roster. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I've said this time and time again. I think in a lot of positions, a lot of a lot of positions that we have on this team that we feel are weak, we have the tools there to fix the problem, but we've got to learn how to use our tools. And Tommy Wahane is another tool that I think we have. And if we figure out how to use that tool correctly, you'll see that we can fix the problem that we may have at that position. Yeah, no doubt. And we'll we'll go back to some of the discussions we had about the the quarterbacks. And you know, you're talking mm-hmm. about Fitzpatrick, which is the interesting thing, and Gino. And you know, there's a, we we get a lot. I mean, you can't imagine the the feedback we get on Twitter about our shows. And obviously, we're we're, we're at talk we're at Talk Jets Radio. So if you want to tweet us, we always answer you. We do our best to answer your questions and discuss things. But you know, it's like the thing is, do you bring in a veteran like Fitzpatrick to compete with Gino, who could most likely beat him out? But then it's like if he does. He's got one more year left. So it's like, all right, he's a true stopgap, a true Band-Aid. Or do you get, you get a guy like Mallet or, or Jake Locker who, who's young, has potential, really hasn't proven enough to show. But if they stay healthy, or especially in the case of Locker, you may have something. That could be a guy that could be here for three, four years and be your quarterback because he has that kind of talent. So it's kind of, it's kind of a tough decision to make. It's like, do you go with a true stopgap, which is a Fitzpatrick by no doubt, a Matt Moore, or do you take a chance on the young guy saying, you know what, Gino's going to have a very good chance to win this competition, but we're going to bring in a young guy, if he can put it all together, that can not only beat him, take a job, he could be here a couple of years. That's kind of the, the, the situation that I get caught up in a little bit. I mean, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that I think we just need to get an upgrade. If it's a veteran guy, fine. If it's a younger guy, fine. But I think I think the problem with Gino and my problem with Gino is I, I you honestly cannot say that he's honestly won the quarterback competition, yet. Uh, the one with Mark was a travesty because of what we did to Mark and how we put him in situations. And honestly, if he hadn't got hurt, you could argue that Mark would have won that competition because he was better than Gino that year. The one with Mike Vick when Mike first got here wasn't an honest competition at all, and Gino was pretty much handed that job. Mike would have had to go do some crazy things just to even be in the conversation of being a starter because he only took 25% of the snaps. So if you bring in a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan beats him out, then he beat Gino out, and that's just it. Like That's just it, and you start him. But if you can bring in a guy like Locker and he beats Gino out too, that's fine. I just think at this point we just need to get an upgrade here. And if Gino's not winning quarterback competition, then he doesn't need to be the starter. If he's not good enough to get the job done on the practice field or when we put him in games in that preseason, then he doesn't need to be a starter. I, I don't see why we can't sign a Fitzpatrick and sign a Mallet or something like that and really make Gino compete, really make him compete 
for that for that position. If we can get both of those guys in, which it's going to fairly be hard to do uh, because, you know, they can go to other teams. But if we can get two, a younger guy in that's solid, and we can also get like a Matt Moore, if we can get a Matt Moore in that's, that's solid and we can also get a, a Fitzpatrick as well, two guys that are going to push, you know, why not do that? Open competition at that position. If you can win the, the quarterback uh, competition, then you'll be the starter. That's something I think we need to, to do to Geno. We really need to put his feet to the fire this year because we need to figure out, look, is this guy going to be the starter? Is he going to progress? Are, are, can we finally depend on him at all? Or is that or is that just that with him? And we need to go find a quarterback. We need to go draft one or do whatever we need to do. Well, I think, well, I think the first step is to have a – open quarterback competition, that's actually a competition, not a farce, which Greg has made it. But, but that's, I'll, just, I'll keep those comments to myself, of course. Cause, no, I, 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 see, the, thing, the only problem I have with your notion is that if you're going to bring in a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy like Matt Moore is not coming here. Because Matt Moore is going to want to have a chance to play. He's not, I mean, yeah. I think... I think a veteran quarterback like Fitzpatrick can say, hey, you know what? I've seen Geno. I think I can beat him out. If you bring a guy like Matt Moore, he's going to be like, you know, I'm not competing against two guys. I want to compete against one guy and get playing time, especially at this stage in their career. So I understand what you're saying, but I'm not opposed to saying, you know, like it's tough because a guy like Ryan Mallett, he wants the same chance. You know, it's tough mm-hmm. to – like, I think you have a problem with you, – you promise things and you can't produce them. I think that's probably one of Isaac's biggest problems, which, of course, everybody's talking about today. But it, you have to say, listen, we're going to give you a chance to compete for the job. Okay, who am I competing against? Gino. Fine. If you say Gino and Ryan Mallett, if I'm Fitzpatrick, yeah, you know what? Or whoever it is, Matt Moore or Hoyer or whoever it is. But, hey, you know, let me go, let me go explore some other opportunities. So I yeah. think you walk a fine line with that. But I will say this. I think there's an outside chance, and I'll, I, I think it's the truth, the Jets will not draft a quarterback this year. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think necessarily they should. Uh, both of those guys, like we spoke about, and stuff is coming out about Winston, <laughs> but some of the same things that I said, that he's, he, he has the physical tools. But it's it's the mental stuff. He comes in, he's out of shape. Um, he was out of shape in college too, as well, when he came back from the suspension. Um, and, and you know, you're starting to see some of those same things. And Mariota is the same guy. We all know they need to sit for a year. So it's like, why draft a guy right now that we're not in love with if we have other holes on this team? We got to fill. We have to fill. So I think that we we don't draft a quarterback this year. I think, like you said, we could go after a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a veteran guy, preferably a Sam Bradford, if we can bring him in. And uh, that's that's the way that we go. I think that's the best option for us as well. Yeah, it's funny because we we were we, everybody's saying draft a quarterback, this that, and now it seems like mm-hmm. Marcus Mar- Marcus Mariota's become Andrew Luck in the eyes of some. I mean, now it's like he's going to make <laughs> or break our entire franchise, which is completely ridiculous. You know, it's like, and then there's some people like you know, it's like if he's there, we we trade the pick. So we went from like the the chance of suck for the duck and we beat the titans and we ruined our whole when we when we beat the titans and went you know we ruined our entire draft now it's like if Mariota's there we should trade him away for picks so it's it's funny how this whole situation with Mariota's evolved but you know everything you read it's you know after the first two quarterbacks there's a significant drop off i mean i'm not a draft expert but that's everything you read and it's like if you're looking for value out of your draft picks do you want a quarterback that's a complete unknown with another project, which we already have in Geno, you know, or do you take a linebacker you desperately need? Or do you take an offensive lineman you desperately need? I mean, in the fifth round, do you want a quarterback that's an unknown or an offensive lineman you think that has a really good chance of playing? 
you know, that's the kind of decision McCagna makes. And I, I think that, you know, I think, honestly, the more you read about it and think about it, if they don't get a Mariota in the first round, I think there's a very good chance they don't drop the quarterback. Yeah, and, and I would I, I would agree with that. I, th- I think there are some guys out there. Uh, Bryce Petty is a guy that I think is okay that we could take a shot at in the fourth round if you. I mean, unless there's like unless there's a lineman that you really believe has upside and he's around there, I wouldn't mind us, you know, not taking a uh, taking a shot at a quarterback later on in the draft, like way, way, way later on in the draft. But as far as like first round stuff, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to see us do that. Um, but, again, with the holes on this team, like I said earlier, I could see us not doing that in the draft and just filling the holes with, you know, players coming straight out of draft. Like we said, our, our lineman position, our secondary position, uh, our linebacker position. So if you can see, like like you spoke about, if you could see a linebacker in the draft and he's in that fourth or fifth round and he's a guy that you think, you know, you could, could definitely improve the team over a quarterback that's in this draft, then I would definitely take the linebacker for sure. Yeah, and and it's and this is the most I think the the most fascinating thing about this entire off season of draft for me personally is how Mike McCagnan addresses it and handles it. Like we have no clue if he's going to be aggressive or not. You know, like you know everybody made fun of Tannenbaum, like Trader Mike. Well, Trader Mike trade up and got some damn good players. So while he did waste some draft picks and he had some picks that we were just like, oh, this is garbage. He traded up and got the guys he wanted. Some of those guys are pretty damn good. So is McCagnan willing to? Try to get the guy he wants. You know how is he going to handle it? And you know, and then you have some general managers that if you read them, they say, you know, every year I'm drafting a quarterback. Every year I'm bringing a young arm to see if he has potential. You know, does McCagney have that kind of philosophy? We don't know any of his philosophies, and that's what I think makes it fascinating in terms of will he be aggressive? How aggressive is he? More conservative? Is he like Isaac, where he's just like you know, I let the draft board come to me. There's a lot of unknowns, and and I, and with that being said, I'll move on to free agency. And the one biggest story came out today is that the Jets are you're going to talk to Mo Wilkerson, um, his agent at the combine, and to, for for both of us, that's a no brainer. I mean, this this makes sense. It's it's they have he earned his contract. He's a very valuable player. He's the face of the franchise, in my opinion, at this point. And now it's show him the money. And the thing is, you have the money, and you have to spend the money. So, Joe, it, I think this is this is going to be an easy win for Mike McCagney, unless he gives him like eighty million dollars or some nonsense. But I think this is, but this is this is a win-win for the Jets, and it buys McCagney some some early early credibility, uh, you know, like right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is going to be one of the defining things that uh, definitely defines him here as a GM. Um, he's just got to get that deal done, plain and simple. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm almost at the point where I don't care. I almost, almost don't care what you give him. Like you said, unless you give him something crazy like $80 million, uh, you know, you open the checkbook and you, you, you do what you need to do to get the job done uh, with Muhammad Wilkinson. Like we spoke about earlier in the last show, you know, we really screwed the pooch when we didn't get him signed, uh, you know, yep. last year. And we, now he knows what his value is. He knows what the market's looking like for him. So we've, we've got to get it done, bring him back in. So, and, and that's just it. You just close the door on the fact that he might be leaving here. You just don't let that happen. You sign him and you bring him back, point blank, period. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, and, and for, for those of you that don't, have listened to last week's show, 
Uh, we're on iTunes. Let's talk. Let's talk Jets. And Joe Corey joined us last week, and um, he's a former agent and an excellent guy when it comes to the salary cap and contract. And he gave us some information. He basically even told us he broke down Muhammad Wilkerson's contract. Said, you know what, the Jets did screw the pooch, and they probably cost themselves three million a year by doing so. But you know what? It's a new year, new regime. But I think it, it's a no-brainer getting this deal done. I think it's just a matter of time, and I think I'd be happy to see him retire a Jet. And I guess the, the next biggest story, which was, you know, you hate bringing it up, but it's a story we got to talk about anyway, is our good old buddy Manish with his, you know, the Eagles and Jets would be perfect trade partners because for some reason he thinks that Chip Kelly is going to mortgage his entire draft for Marcus Mariota. And while I, I'll say this, Joe. I think, first off, I think you're going to have to really blow the doors off McCagnin's office in order for him to make a blockbuster deal in his first year as general manager. But with that being mm-hmm. said, I think it's – I wouldn't mind trading down if you can get a couple – you know, take two first-round picks or two second-round picks. or If you can stockpile draft picks, I have no problem with that. But I'm not – I don't need Nick Foles as part of the, the, the trade. I, I mean, Nick Foles is what he is. I think if you do bring him in here, he's going to want a contract extension. I don't think he's going to come here on a show-me deal. But I don't think Nick Foles would make or break the deal for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Nick Foles at all. Um, I, I, I don't know what it is about this talk, but I really do believe this is a smokescreen for the Eagles. I don't know what they're trying to do, but I think they're just using this. And Manoush is always known for reporting manure. So, so uh, I right. don't trust necessarily many of his reports at all. But uh, if if this is true and, and, and Chip is willing to mortgage and give us some picks and, and let us move down, fine. But like you said, I'm, I'm not excited about Nick Foles. He doesn't have to be part of the deal for me as well. Uh, I spoke about this before. If we can stockpile draft picks and move down in this draft and pick up quality offensive linemen, especially if we can get two first-rounders um, or maybe even a first-rounder and a second-rounder and a, a third from next year or something like that to move up, then that's fine. I have no problem with us moving down, stockpiling draft picks, and picking up quality offensive linemen in this first round because that's really what we need. Um, so I, I'm 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 looking forward to see if that actually is, is it, if it isn't smoke and mirrors. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do with that and seeing how McCagney handles that as well. Um, but you know, up until it happens, I just, I just feel like it's murky waters, and especially with the reporting from Manoush, I, I don't know if it's if it's solid or anything like that. So I, I, I'm just a wait and see with that kind of thing. But but like I said, Nick Foles does not have to be part of the deal with me at all. Yeah, no, I, you know, I could take a relief. I think the thing is, with every free agent quarterback at this point, they're going to have flaws. I mean, if the guy has any kind of value, he's not going to be a free agent, That's the, especially in this NFL. So you know, you could you could pick apart Nick, you could pick apart Nick Foles' game, but you could also pick apart Fitzpatrick's game, Bradford's game, Locker's game. You could tear apart all these guys, Geno's game. You know, it's it's the nature of the beast at this point. So yeah, you know, Foles. I, I just think my biggest problem is. I don't. I, I don't think Chip Kelly is stupid enough to mortgage his entire draft for for Mariota. I don't see that happening. And, and I just think if Foles does get traded somewhere, he wants a new contract. He's a contract, and I think I understand why. I mean, it's about making money and getting security. And you know, you can't give him a contract. You can't because he hasn't proven anything. So that, that's a that's a really it's interesting. It makes Fred head, headlines in February. I don't think that story's gonna be around in March, but you know, it's. It's interesting, man. It's just there's so many different things you can go around, and it, you know, you don't know what to believe or what not to believe. But my opinion is it doesn't happen. But like we said, if they have a chance to move down and get good value for it, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, I'm, we're totally in agreement with that. And I think also the fact that he would trade Nick Foles for a rookie QB, even though it is Mariota, I think kind of speaks about the way that he feels about Nick Foles. You know? 
So, exactly. Uh, like I like I said, I just you know, the quarterbacks don't grow on trees around here. Even even average game managing quarterbacks, they don't grow on trees around here. So I I don't know. I just like you said, I, I'm like I'm, right I'm waiting to see. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't. They don't grow on trees. They don't grow on trees, and we live in a desert. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's nothing around here. I mean, it's all you know. So, like you said, we're just waiting to see. But you know, who knows what can happen? But this, that that the draft and how we move up and down and how we manipulate the draft is really, I think, is going to define McCagnan as a GM because that's that's his wheelhouse. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, right now you, we have you know a lot a lot of faith in McCagnan. Hopefully, based on his scouting background and, and and things like that, you know, and just like we talked about earlier, just keep in mind with a lot of these guys, especially talking about free agency, if they're veteran guys or they're high price guys, especially veteran guys, they're going to want to play for a winning team. So you know, it's fun to throw around some of these names like Fitzgerald and Andre Johnson, some of these bigger names, but you got to keep in mind Todd Bowles may be a great salesman. But the first place you look is the quarterback position for a lot of these offensive guys, especially. Now, one guy that came up that is a possibility becoming available, and before I even say this, we got to say hello to Celtic Chuck. He is a, a fan from Ireland who tweeted us. He wanted, he wanted to shout out, and you know we love our fans in Ireland and the UK, so we're going to say hi to him real yeah. quick. But a name that popped up today was an interesting name is Crabtree, Michael Crabtree. What is your take on him in terms of an option? Is he like a like a plan B, plan C kind of guy for you, or if things don't fall into place, you you could see him being a priority. If things don't fall into place, I could see him being a priority. Well, I, I, let me take that back. I, I, he's not a guy I can see a priority for this team because I don't believe we need a wide receiver. Um, the thing about Michael Crabtree is, is I, I believe at this point in his career, he's a possession receiver. Um, he's a guy that I think is a very good receiver. He's solid, but he doesn't he doesn't blow the doors off. He's not a guy that you're afraid yep. of, a speed guy, a guy that's going to stretch the field. I just That's just not who he is. Uh, he's a very good receiver. He has good hands. He's run solid routes. Like I said, I think he's a very good possession receiver. But he's not what we need. Um, and I don't even think we need a receiver, as I've spoken about many times on this <laughs> on this show. Well, see, it's um, funny. So, it's funny. Like, if, if, you men- if you mention Crabtree, you almost mm-hmm. would want him in addition to Harvin. Like, you want to have Decker, Crabtree, and Harvin. Exactly. No disrespect to Jeremy Curley. I'm not, I'm not trying mm-hmm. to rip on Curley, but I'm saying, like, like I kind of agree with you. Like, I'd like to see Crabtree, him alongside Harvin, not without Harvin. Exactly, and that and that's that's the exact almost the exact same way I think about it. But due to the fact that we gave Jeremy Curley all that money, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. We just signed him to a solid deal. Um, like you said, and no disrespect to Jeremy Curley, but that's kind of how we think about him as well. If we didn't have already have a, a possession receiver, a guy that I think could move the change in the slot, then perhaps you would be perfect. But we already have that. Um, so, I mean, like I said, he's a good receiver. Anyone would be you know better off without him if you didn't have any receivers on your board, but. We have what we need, and what we need, and uh, what we need that we we have already, but is in is in flux because of his contract is that speed, you know, dynamic threat that that Harvin is. But the only thing that's dragging us down is that contract. But he's not that type of receiver to make that replacement. Um, you could you could argue maybe Jeremy Macklin would be a guy that you would look at to bring in if you really wanted to get rid of Harvin. But I mean that that's just the way I think about it. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same boat. And Macklin was the guy I wanted last year coming off the injury. I was like, I wanted to lock him up then because I, I really liked the way he plays. You know, and it, it's yeah. funny because you see, like, you know, Randall Cobb, is, he's, he's seeking, like, $9 million a year. You know, if he gets mm-hmm. that, you can only imagine with, like, Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas for a while. You're talking, you know, that's gonna, they're going to make <laughs> Percy Harvin seem cheap. You know, it's 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 going to be really interesting <laughs> to see. Like I, like I said, we, we, we've, we've beaten the Percy Harvin thing inside out and backwards. 
the the next position that kind of came up today on a Twitter account was Shane Vereen. And the thinking is that the Patriots are going to have a hell of a time getting McCourty locked up, dealing with that Darrell Rivas nonsense if they do sign him to keep Shane Vereen. He could become he could become you know available. And I'll say this: he would be a great fit in Chan Gailey's offense because he, he's arguably one of the best receiving running backs in football. So that's exactly what this team needs. I mean, I think he'd be a perfect fit. And, and I'll ask you this question: Would you pay him a little more to lock him up? Like, is he a kind of a guy where you say, you know what? You know, we, we say you don't want to overpay Percy Harvin because he's getting paid too much for the position he's in. A, a guy like Shane Vereen, do you pay him a little bit more because good pass protector, good receiver out of backfield, good, you know, good running back? Is that the kind of guy you kind of say, hey, you know what, let's get aggressive with him? Yes, but it it would depend heavily on what paying a little bit more would entail. <laughs> if, if we're talking upwards of you know six seven million a year, no, I'm absolutely not paying him that. But in the realm of about, I would say about three point five, two to three point five million a year, absolutely to bring in Shaverin because, like you said, he's a good protector. He can block. Uh, you know, he's a good running back. He can get you some carries as well. He can run the ball. But he's also a very good receiver running back as well. We've seen him yep. match up one on one and beat backers time in and time out. He used to smoke us, so, so it's not like you know, it's not like we're not familiar with that guy. Um, yep. But yeah, so Shane Vereen is a guy that I would definitely uh, test the market on and try to get in and be aggressive about as well. Um, but like like we we spoke about, Anton Smith is a guy that still that still could be out there. That's another guy we need to be aggressive about as well. And Roy Halou. So it's just kind of you look at how the market would kind of shake out, and then you know you you would be aggressive about Vereen. But I don't I don't you know. So we, we could see what we could do with him. Yeah, and, and I agree. Now, like, see, for me, it's like you kind of you kind of got to identify positions you would overspend for a little bit. And when we, mm-hmm. we've talked about it, and I personally said, listen, running backs are a dime a dozen. I'm not breaking the bank for any of them. You know, if he, say, the market dictates $3 million, and we got to pay him $4.2 million, I'm willing to do that for Shane Vereen because you could see the valuable role he could have in the offense. And, and the other position for me is offensive line. You know, if Ayupati is going to command a little bit more money than we want to spend, guess what? We have the cap space, I'm spending it. Like, there's certain positions you don't want to chintz out at. And I think, you know, not, I'm not saying running back is a high priority, but I'm saying for him, for that, you know, that player I would. But in terms of, like, a, a position of priority, for me, Joe, if, if we got to break the bank on Ayupati, you know, or spend some significant money on Orlando Franklin, I'm fine with that. Like, I'm not, I'm not complaining. There's a, there's, a, there's a need and a reason, and you could justify it with no problem. Absolutely, and that was that was one of the things I said as well when we spoke about running backs being a dime a dozen. Well, there's some guys that ain't a dime a dozen. Your APs, yep. uh, your DeMarco Murrays, your like we said, we spoke about even even Shane Vereen and his skill level. There's some guys that just aren't a dime a dozen. There's some guys that you might have to just pay a little bit on. Uh, and like you said, identifying what positions to spend a little bit, just a little bit over on, is it, fine too. So I, I totally agree with your point. Now, would you – what other position – like, you know, like we talked about corner and, you know, mm-hmm. based on what you read, you know, the market could be could be slim for corner too if if Maxwell mm-hmm. and Jackson – I think the news today was that the Houston Texans said they're not going to franchise Kareem Jackson, but he wants to resign there. And reportedly, Byron Maxwell is working on a deal with the Seahawks. Do you believe that or not? You don't know. But it's like, do you – I mean, do you panic and overpay a Cromartie? Do you panic and throw the bank at Darrell Revis? Like – how do you handle a cornerback position? It's like you have the money to spend, and you know there's an article today saying the Jets should give Revis every penny he wants, which I think is ridiculous. 
you know, Camardi. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it is, dude. I don't, I don't think you you don't break the bank for Darrell Revis. I, I don't do it. I it just it's just not the right move at this point. But at the same time, I'm not giving Antonio Camardi eight million dollars a year either. So do you cut off your nose and spite your face? Like, how do you handle that? Like, what, what's your benchmark for the cornerback position? Yeah, I, I wouldn't panic and overpay Revis. I wouldn't panic and overpay Cromartie as well. Um, there's other corners out there. You just look elsewhere. You can go get a Brandon Flowers, a guy that's, that's fairly cheap. He's going to be out there as well. Walter Thurman's going to be out there as well. Um, there, there's other guys out there that you can feel that they're not going to be great. They're just stopgap guys. I think that's where we are right now because, uh, you know, looking at the market, like you said, if it dries up and the only guys out there are Cromartie and Revis, well, Look, Cromartie, here's the deal we have on the table. We're going to set. We're going to bring you in at this. And if you want way more, then fine. We, we're not going to do that. Um, there's the draft. You go and you draft. If you're trying to build a team through free agency, you're building that team the wrong way. You patch up holes through free agency, but if you can't get it done in free agency, then guess what? You draft well. That's what we need to start doing. We need to start focusing on the draft. If guys are going to price themselves out, then you'll be sitting there, and we'll move on to our draft board. That's why we brought in McCagney. He's The draft, like I said, that's his wheelhouse. You go in there and you get it done from that standpoint. I wouldn't overpay Cromartie, uh, especially, you know, he's an aging corner, he's an older corner. He can still get the job done there, don't get me wrong, but there's other options and we don't need to do that. That article, that's why I laugh, because that article about overspending on Revis, that's just stupid. That's just, just, yep. <laughs> just sounds stupid, because if you overpay on Revis, you're overpaying ridiculously. You're looking at, you know, overpaying on Revis is 20-plus million a year, because he's already, you know, asking for 16, 17 million a year. That's probably going to be his asking price. So overpaying on Revis, that's ridiculous. You're going to cut out, you know, where you can get three, maybe even four guys, uh, you know, maybe two depth guys and two actual starters uh, with the money yep. that you might just give him. So, no, we're not. I don't think you do that. You go to the draft. Um, you know, if guys are going to price themselves out, you change your priorities in the draft, and, and you move forward from there. And we're in such a good position with such a high pick that, you know, like I said, there's going to be some team that wants to move up, and we can use that to stockpile draft picks, possibly in the same draft or the next draft as well, and we can start moving and making things happen. But, I, like I said, I would not overpay anyone. Yeah, and like, and this is where you got to kind of hope that McCagnon has a really good pulse of the situation and doesn't, like you said, doesn't panic, doesn't overpay. You know, I, I, listen, I understand the value of Camardi, and you don't want to leave free agency without some talent. But then you say, you know what, you look at a Buster Scrine. I mean, there's there's other guys out there. You mentioned Walter Thurman, who I like last year. There's guys out there, and it's like, you know, you take those, you hope, you know, you, you hope you get production out of Milner and McDougall. But there's there's other options out there. But the one position that, know, this is just my own personal preference again, so I'm kind of crazy, but it's safety. And, you know, if if you spend a little bit more for Devin McCourty, that doesn't break my heart. You know what I mean? That That's the kind of guy where it's like, it's a need they've had for years. So... You know, is that a position like for me? Positions you're trying to say, okay, in this free agency, like you know, last time the safeties made a killing when you know Jarris Bird and all these guys. Would you be willing to give up big money for a guy like Devin McCourty? I, 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 it depends on what we're talking about, big money. Because like I said, I think Antonio Allen needs to be given a shot. I really, really do. Um, and I, I think that he's been jerked around so much. As we've spoken about in the past, like I said, I'm going to continue to bang the hammer on the table for that guy because I think he's a quality safety. And I think we just have not given him a chance to to play that position and do what he needs to do at the position and just be consistent and and leave him there and stop messing around with him. Um, But, you know, to bring in McCourty, I don't want to break the bank for him at all because I, I think we already have that here. And I also think that there's, you know, that there's other options. But and I understand what you're saying about Devin. He can do all these things. But 
I just I just can't see us breaking the bank to get him. Here's here's an interesting name that you know we really haven't mentioned this guy. I mean, we mentioned Raheem Moore in the past, which you know mm-hmm. the value he has. What about an Antrell Roll? You know, thirty two yeah. years old. He he uh, he won't command the same. He'll be a step down from McCord in terms of contract. That's for damn sure. Yeah, and that, that's that's another name I was I was I was gonna bring up a guy like Antrell Roll. Uh, you can bring him in as well. Um, I, I wanted to talk about Ryan Clark. That's a solid guy that I think can get the job done too. Just you know, a, a guy that you can bring in that can do some of the same things, but you're not you're not going to have to break the bank for him because, like I said, I, I do think that we're in a need for safety, and I think that's that strong safety. Um, but but the free safety position, I think, is all Antonio Allen. I, I really do. I have faith in him. I think he's a solid guy, but we we just got to figure out how to use him correctly. Yeah, I mean, and, and a, a part of this, you have to start giving some credit to, or not credit, you got to hope that Todd Bowles can maximize these guys, too. And, and you know, exactly. you have some young players, even like a guy like Rontez Miles, who, who suffered an injury, which is unfortunate, but you had some young players there. Like, you, you got to hope, like, you know what, maybe he can get something out of these guys. Like, you never know. Sometimes mm-hmm. the light clicks on where it's like, hey, you know what, this works, this system works, I can flourish in this defense. You know, uh, Kyle just sent us a, a, a tweet that Ryan Clark retired, but and, and thank you for that, Kyle. Um, yeah, but, you know, it's, it's guys like that, though, where, you know, it's you, you hope that you can get, like, a, a diamond in the rough or something clicks or Todd Bowles can find the role that works for them and maximizes it. You know, you, can, you know, we talked about Rex in the past, what he can and can't do. I mean, hopefully, we, like, you know, Todd Bowles is unknown, but hopefully he can do that, especially with so many young parts in the secondary. Yeah, I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm very interested to see what he can do with that as well. Um, and just giving the guys a chance to see what he can do to put them in positions to maximize their talent, uh, as you spoke about. And I think that, you know, he'll be able to shake guys up, especially like a guy like Marcus Williams, a guy that, you know, we got off the street and see what we can do with his talent as well. But, you know, you just got to kind of give the scheme a chance to work for certain guys. Yeah, no doubt. I, I completely agree. It's makes it's what makes all this so fascinating. It's like you know the off season's exciting to begin with, but then you add in all the unknowns in terms of just how we're going to handle free agency, how we're going to handle the draft. It's like we're going to sit back, you know, five months from now and be like, damn, what just happened? Because now we have a a whole new team, and you can almost see what McCagnan's blueprint is. Yeah, yeah, and I I can't wait to, at that point to see what exactly they've done and, and the moves that we made. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And before we we, get, we continue, um, also check us out on Facebook. Our good friend Joe was nice at the creators of page. It's Let's Talk Jets on on Facebook. So make sure you like our page. We'll put information up on there. And, and Joe, I guess we've covered a lot of positions. We touched on you know the offensive line, the defensive line, all these things. Is there any other positions that you want to kind of look over and throw some ideas out about? Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering what's your ideas, and, and this is this is a guy that I know is in the news right now. He's had a lot of a lot of issues. A Greg Hardy, if we can no. bring him in, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to show your your thoughts on him. I was getting tweets. I've gotten tweets about him. Um, about him. In My answer is about what. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 and no, and then when we're done with that, no, and then no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that fills that. <laughs> now, would you yeah, listen? I, listen. I, I understand where you're going with that. I think first of all, you got to see what the NFL does in terms of the suspension, how it all plays out. I think the off the field is a nightmare. For me, I'm going after Jason Worlds. A name, and here's a name that came up that I've really never thought about was Pernell McPhee. Now, what is your take mm-hmm. on him? That's a name that the guys in turn of the Jets mentioned that I didn't even think about. The linebacker from the Ravens. 
I think I've seen him play a little bit. Um, from what I saw, you know, he was a, a solid guy, but I hadn't seen too much tape on him, though. Yeah, he's an interesting name that, you know, you hear like a high-energy, relentless motor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, and they're saying he could get a big contract. It's a name that I really haven't come up with, but, you know, it, it's names like that. You know, you have Arakbo, Pernell McPhee, Jason Worlds, maybe a Brandon mm-hmm. Graham, a Brooks Reed. You know, I know Hans always likes mentioning Sam Acho, or I forgot, I think that's how his name is. You know, it's guys like that. You know, it's it's so interesting. It's just fascinating. And then what happens with Damon Harrison, you know, and then we have, you know, the whole linebacker thing. Is, is the Mario Davis your inside guy? What do you do with David Harris? You know, there, there's a lot of fascinating questions of what you want to do, you know. So it's it's interesting, man. I mean, is there is there any is there a marquee free agent that is your boomer bust guy for this, this free agency? Yes, Ayupati. That's a guy that I am absolutely – I want us to go out and get and sign. Um, and also Anton Smith, but Ayupati, I, because I really believe, and I've been – I know people are trying to hear me say this. I'm, I'm banging my hand on the table about this. I want us to fix our offensive line immediately because, like like we've spoken about, this quarterback position and the way things are going, uh, we're, I, I, we're going to have to protect whoever it is that's going to be back there. We're going to have to be able to give him time to find targets. And so we've got to shore things up there. And I think, you know, we've got to go after Ayupati. That's the guy that I think we've got to be aggressive about from day one to, uh, you know, get everything going up front. What about yourself? Yeah, I think it's got to be it's got to be a priority. Offensive line has got to be a priority. Um, that's a big name. It's a splash signing, but the value is there instantaneously. But Joe, we got another special guest on the line, man. We got we got a night of, of activity right now, and we have Dante Robinson joining us. Dante Robinson is a sports agent who's joined us in the past, who's a tremendous guest who can give us some awesome insight on not only you know the combine, the draft, things like that. Dante is represented from the the Eli Sports Agency. Dante, this is Tyson and Joe. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well, guys. How you guys doing? We're doing great, man. Thank you so much for calling in. We definitely appreciate it. So I guess you're pretty busy right now getting ready for the combine and the draft and everything else, huh? Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's, the, it's the best time of the year for me, you know, getting ready for for the combine and, and, you know, hopefully, you know, get a chance to see some guys and, you know, hopefully guys perform well and you just want to see where they're going to go, end up in and, and uh, get ready for the next uh, football season. Now, Dante, how much time and effort is put into preparing for the combine? Is it a lot of, like, you know, is it a lot of, like, track work or weight room work? Or, like, how much time are the athletes putting in just to prepare for this? Well, you know, athletes are putting in uh, a tremendous amount of time. You know, honestly, they really, most on average, most athletes train probably around six to nine weeks uh, leading up to this point. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, I hear a lot of guys do two a days. Um, it's a lot of work to get done, um, you know, and from, from where you started, um, coming from football shape, getting ready to test in front of the NFL scouts. So it's actually a lot of work that they, these guys have to put in. They have to, their bodies have to be really um, in, in, intact and making sure they're, they're good to go to perform for, you know, for this weekend alone. And with that said, how, how do these guys work on improving their draft stock once they actually learn, you know, kind of where they will be drafted? What, is, what are some of the things that they can do? It, it, honestly, it, in, in my opinion, it, it goes back to the tape. Uh, you, you know, you have the measurables that are that are that are good for guys, and um, but you know, if a guy tests very well, um, in my opinion, uh, I think that forces the scout to say, okay, I need to go pull up some tape and study him. 
a little more. What did I miss um, the first time around? Why didn't I notice this guy the first time around? Um, you know, that's the that's the main key. Um, of course, you know that we see guys all the time that that are, are drafted and that didn't test well because they're pure athletes. And then you have the guys who 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 you never heard of before that just have breakout combines, and all of a sudden now they're just you know they're stars in in in, in the NFL. Um, you know, it's, 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 it goes it goes a little more. It forces the scouts to really do the work um, and find out what this athlete can bring to a team. Right now we're talking to Dante Robinson from Elite Sports Agency. He's the director of the West Coast Operations. Dante, how much of this is mental for the athletes? Because, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of unknowns. Then, you know, there's a lot of rumors and all these things. But, you know, especially now with social media. You know, as an agent, how much is it, like, mental for these guys? And, like, do you have to give them a lot of support and, like, kind of, like, not nurturing, but just be there for them like a, sh- like a shoulder for them? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say 95% of it is mental, you know, um, you know guys like um, guys prepare for the one time that they they get in front of scouts, they get in front of scouts, and you know it's uh it, we have to make sure that you know we we know what kind of athletes they are, but we have to make sure they know what kind of athletes they are. Um, and it's, it, for instance, you know one of my guys, um, one of my clients, Keith Lewis, who who was signed to the Jets at this time, you know. Um, he's he's a guy who worked out for plenty of for plenty of teams, and he's done everything right. And teams have said he's done everything right. We just don't have the room for him. And you know, for me, it's my job to make sure at that time when Keith worked out for the Jets, just to call him and say, "Hey, look, just do what you've been doing." Um, and you know, and he did well. And next thing you know, he was signed to the practice squad of the Jets, coming in with a brand new start this year. It's all mental. It's all mental because these guys are great athletes. It's all mental. Yeah, that's what you always wonder about, especially now with the social media. It seems like everybody's an analyst and an expert now, and the criticisms are, you know, they, they criticize just about everything at this point. So can you give us some, some more information on Keith Lewis, just what he brings to the table, like what what some of the scouting evaluations on him are? I, I tell you what, Keith Lewis is a firecracker. You guys are going to love him. Um, you guys can get a chance to see him, you know, uh, I don't know if you play, paid attention last year at, uh, uh, in preseason when you played for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, comes from a small school, Virginia Lynchburg. Not too many people um, heard of that school. Um, and but Keith is a cover, a man-to-man cover guy. He can play the zone, but he's fast. He's a four-three speed, um, and he, the guy has a real knack for the ball. Um, you know, uh, he's he's he's, he's going to bring to the table that 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 good coverage skills that the Jets are look are looking and lacking for in in in, the, um, in their secondary. And he's that he's a guy that. That can play. He's young, um, and he, he he's everywhere. He's everywhere, you know. So yeah, he's he's bringing a lot. With that said, after after being drafted, how important is it for a guy to get in immediately and start learning his scheme and meeting the meeting the coaching staff to figure out where he, where he fits in and how quickly does that happen? Uh, de- depending depending on where you go. I mean, if you're a first round guy, obviously. I mean, I say if you're a first, you know. First four round guys, you know what I mean. Uh, you're 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 almost to that city the next <laughs> the next day or so, you know. Um, you know, with that you, you're getting introduced to the to the organization. You're meeting everybody in the in the ball club. Um, I would assume that you're getting your your playbook. Um, it, it's so important to get acclimated with the coaches in your in your playbook because you want to have that edge coming in. Um, you know, we know that the undrafted free agents are coming in, and um, those guys are hungry. 
those guys are hungry. And, uh, with, you know, when they come in, they're coming in with a chip on their shoulder and say, hey, you looked over me. Now I'm going to show you why you shouldn't have looked over me. They're coming in hungry, so you don't want that guy to come in and, and, and take your position. Um, it's, it's so important to get acclimated. And, and, and I tell my guys, I use the term, getting, getting your coach's back pocket. I want to know what you're thinking. You know, I tell my guys that. Um, because you do want to know what the coach is thinking in every scenario and what's going to happen. Um, so it is important for you, for you to know what's going on with your coach and, and, and the scheme that he's expecting uh, from you. Once again, we're talking about Dante Robinson from Elite Sports Agency. And, Dante, you know, the combine gets a lot of headlines, and I guess this question will be, will be twofold. His first thing is, once the combine is over, how much work as an agent do you have to do? Do you have to reach out to a lot of teams and try to gauge their interest and see how your players evaluated? And then do, how do you handle your players? Like say if the ones that performed well, do you say, okay, you did good here, or the ones that have some work to do? Like how do you handle like, the post-combine activities? Well, you know, when during the combine, you know, obviously you're going to meet with teams. You know, you're you're at the combine for a reason. So, you know, the interest there, you know, we really don't have to really worry too much about that. Um, you're, you, of course, there's some information that we need to find out um, what they're looking for, what they thought about the guy. It's all opinionated. Um, but we know, as agents, we know you did well or you did good. You know, or you, you know you did bad. Um, you know, and we know. Every team has – when it comes time to your pro day, let's say you, 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 you do 10 reps on the, on the 225 bench press, but you know you should have done 19. Well, you know, when it comes time to your pro day, we're, we're expecting for you to do 19-plus. That shows that you went back to training and you've, you've gotten what you're supposed to do. So, you know, after the combine is over, you know, hey, look, you see guys, you see guys that had ran a fast 40 time and they don't run at their pro day. They just do on-field drills because there's no need for them to prove that again. Um, you know, but if you did bad, you know, it's, it's, you have something to prove. So it's kind of, it's kind of a give and take thing. You know, you do well at the combine, um, you know, really all you need to do is do your on-field drills. If you do, you didn't do as good as you thought you can do, um, you know, it's part, it's part for you to perform at your pro day. Now, when you go at the combine, like everybody says now, once the combine comes, like, Agents are talking to teams, like all off the record, kind of gauging interest, things like that. As an agent, do you have teams in mind that you want to talk to? Say, like, for, just, just for an example, say with Keith Lewis, did you, do you analyze teams and say, listen, I know the Jets need secondary help. Let me try to, get my, let me try to find a way to get a hold of Mike McCagnan or you know, last year John Idzik, guys like that. Do you have kind of a, a plan of how you want to approach certain teams, even this early at, at the Combine? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, we we have that idea. Of, you know, you kind of right now just kind of uh, you're taking it for what it is, just saying, okay, his, this team spoke to him, this team spoke to him. But then it kind of forces you as an agent to go back and say, okay, look, they have ten, they have ten DBs on their roster. You know, they really don't have too much room unless you draft them within this these rounds. Then obviously you're going to keep them. But uh, a good spot for him to play and make the roster in the first two years, three years. Um, that may not be a good opportunity for him. Um, to answer your question about Keith Lewis, it was a lot of extensive work that we really had to find out um, and, and do for him. Uh, we had to we had to look at how many guys were on that the Tampa Bay roster, um, and uh, you know when that when they made their final cuts, the Jets were one of the teams that I thought that um, <clears throat> showed a little bit of interest in Keith. Um, you know, um, coming out of coming out of the uh, the draft, and uh, but they didn't they didn't make the move. Um, and, of course, with the, with the season going like it was, you know, we kind of continue to work on the Jets 
and um, they finally made the move and brought him in, and they like what they saw. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him on the field. And I guess my, my next question for you is, you know, last year, you know, as the season played out, there's a lot of feedback about John Idzik that he was hard to get along with or he wasn't approachable or, or whatever it may be. You know, as an agent, when you're going to the combine or things like that, do you already have kind of an idea of, like, what front office is kind of tough to deal with? Can you, something you may engage with, something you may not just due to their the way they handle their business? Or, like, how, is there, like, that? are there, like, some teams harder to deal with than others? Yeah, some teams are hard to deal with and others. I can't tell you which teams are harder to deal with because I don't want to <laughs> right, no, <I laughs> shoot my foot. You know, I don't want to do that. But, you know, some teams are some teams are harder to deal with than the other. I mean, you have relationships with, with some, some guys in the organizations that you just don't have in, in with the others. Um, you know, yeah, so to answer your question, yes. You know, um, some teams are completely shut down. They don't want to tell you anything. Um, <laughs> you know, but, you know, and there's there's teams that are – Completely open, you know. It, it's 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 kind of a give and take, thing, you know. But it's at the end of the day, it's all fun. Um, this is what we love to do, and you know, this you know, this it, it works out for the best always. Yeah. With that said, I was wondering how exactly do you identify clients that you may represent that are coming out of the draft? It's it's a little bit of a process, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I I I start doing my analysis on guys a whole year before. Um. You know, and I don't want to give too much of my secret out because I know other agents are listening. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I do my I do my analysis pretty deep on guys, and you know, and um, I don't want to give my method out um, on on the radio. You guys have an extensive amount of followers, but uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot of work that goes into it. It's a lot. It's a lot before we even make the contact with the player. Okay, and with that said, how do you handle a guy that's already in the league that? prices himself maybe above his actual market value. How how would you talk to him and how would you deal with that process? Uh, good question. Good question. Hey, I tell guys I I tell guys this, you know, I'm 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 a different kind of guy. I don't promise anybody anything. Um but what I do promise guys are hard work and things do happen. Things do open up. Um if a guy is, is interested in his market value and at the time attacking free agency, um, you know, we have to see what's out there. You know, that's what we're gonna do this week at the combine. We have a couple free agents that we're gonna that we're gonna talk to and, and see what their market value is. Um and you kinda you kinda take it from there, you know. But you tell guys just to hold on, be patient and let us do the work. This is why you hired us. Um and you know, it's a, it's 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 it, it it can be frustrating for a player at times seeing guys get signed that you know that you that you may think that you're better than or you know think that you know you can play at their spot but just hold on you know things something's going to open up and trust that your agents are doing the work okay and with that said also I know as an agent you're you're shaking you're moving you're all over the place I'm wondering what is one of the craziest deals that you were able to get done when when times were just hard. One of one of the craziest deals as an agency, you know, we got done. I, I would have to say would be the Andrew Hawkins deal last year, um, with um, coming from Cleveland. Um, Andrew was a guy we know who who was hurt most of the season, but Andrew is still rising as a player. Um, you know, we called around and there just wasn't a lot of interest. And you know, you continue to you know go to the combine and guys had some interest, and um, you know, you, you continue to just push. Well, you know, Cleveland opened up and, you know, finally got the deal done. Andrew really only played, I think, uh, 100 and something snaps last year. So with that being said, for him to 
for him to have get the deal that he got done uh, with Cleveland, uh, it was pretty. It was it was huge for the agency. It was huge for us, and it was huge for Andrew. Um, and uh, you know, and that's that, that's that's probably had to be one of the craziest deals that I had to be a part of. Yeah, hey, I'm pissed because I want him on the Jets. To be honest with you. <laughs> 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 Dante, a question I have for you is, you know, the, the news this year was that they're going to do like a, a veteran combine, like a like a free agent combine, which I think is a tremendous idea. What are your thoughts on that? And how do you think it's going to play out? I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. They're they're, they're treating it they're treating it like you know you 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 sign up for the veteran combine and then you have to be selected. So it's just it's, they're treating it like it's the the, the college combine. You got to be selected for it, you know. And uh, you can apply for it, but everybody don't get accepted. And I think that, you know, they're going to get some guys out there that, that still are relevant in the NFL, um, you know, that can, that still have practice squad eligibility, that still can play, that just just not getting the looks for whatever reason. So I think, actually, that is an awesome idea. Um, and that gives, that gives a platform for the guys to, to get in front of scouts that they may not have gotten in front of before. Um, I think it's an awesome idea that the NFL – I see the NFL expanding, and I think it's great. The regionals – or for college guys, you know, that are coming out. I think that's great. Uh, and then, you know, the you know the veteran combines for veterans that that have already been in the league. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think so, too. Like you said, like, guys can get hurt or kind of get lost in the shuffle, and this gives them a chance to get back in front of scouts and open some eyes and give a, it could give a good refresher. Um, we're talking with Dante Robbins from Elite Sports Agency. And, Dante, this is your time to shine. Tell us about some of your clients. Tell them about some guys that, you know, you're getting ready for the combine or some guys that could be good for the Jets. Honestly, man, I got I got a, I got a few I got a few guys out there, man. I have a, you know, number one, I have a guy from New York. Um, you know, his name is Isaiah Ferguson. Uh, he's six five, uh, two hundred and twenty pounds. He's a wide receiver. Um, he's from New York. Hopefully, the Jets, you know, take some interest in, in him. Uh, you know, we also have uh, the safety Tremaine Bondurant from Arizona. Um, uh, we have uh, we have we have a couple sleeper guys. Honestly, uh, we have um, we have a, a, a six four. Free safety from Emporia State, um, Lindell Johnson. Um, of course, we have the, the 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 monster himself back there, Ryan Murphy from Oregon State. Um, Keenan Lowe, the wide receiver from Oregon. Uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's a few other guys. You know, and, and it's it's pretty it's pretty exciting this year about the draft class that we got and we're putting together, and I'm excited for them. Yes, and with that said, we have a receiver here named uh, Harvin, and he's a guy that's making around $10.5 million this year. And I wonder kind of what your thoughts are on that contract and how you would deal with the Jets organization, because they may want him to come down on his number a little bit. Where would your stance be as, a, as, an, as an agency, and what exactly could you guys do to possibly work on a deal if you represented him? Well, I have, to, I have to tell you this. You know, I'm from Seattle, man, and I'm, I'm actually calling from Seattle. So, you know, I was – I was, you know, when Harvin left us, when Harvin left us, I was kind of like, oh, because I know what kind of play he is. But to answer your question, as an agent, you know, I, I, of course, my number one thing, I want the contract to stay like it is, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. That's the best way. But if you decide to, to restructure, um, you know, at this point in time, in the career that he's at, that he's had, in the stage that he's at, if they wanted to restructure and make sure that he rejuvenates himself, I would be okay with that, um, you know, as long as it's nothing too crazy. Um, you know, it's all for the team. Um, I try to get that, you know, get that going. This is a business. As long as it doesn't get disrespectful with the numbers, 
Um, but um, I, I think um, you know I'll be okay with it. So it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to answer that question um, because you don't know what the team is offering with that, and you know, you know. So, but I'm a Seattle guy, and uh, <laughs> I was a little I was a little disappointed when Harvin left us, but I definitely understand um, it is a business. Now, my my question for you is, you know, like obviously the Jets made a significant change. They cleaned out their entire front office. They hired a new coach. Early on, what have you what is what have you heard about Mike McCagan and Todd Bowles? Have you heard like just in terms of just their approach, how they handle teams, like how they're going to handle the roster? What is your early perception? Uh, I, I I'm I'm hearing that they're defense first. I'm I'm hearing they're defensive guys. Um, you know, they like physical defensive guys, and uh, you know, that's what I'm hearing. You know, we all know that defense wins games. And uh, who knows, you know? And uh, I, they they've already from from what I hear from Keith. They've already reached out to Keith, and they like his approach. They like his style, um, and, and uh, you know, they're, I'm thinking they're bringing a, a a fire to the Jets organization this year that that the Jets are just not used to. Um, and I think they're going to do that. Yeah, that's exciting too. I mean, that's you know, you want like you know, motivated, physical, hungry players with character. That's a that's a great thing. Now, the, the other thing we always hear about in this show, it's especially at this time of year, is how. You know, supposedly, like, agents leak stories to try to generate interest or try to help negotiate contracts, things like that. And obviously, you're not going to give us your secrets, but is that a relevant part of the negotiation process where, you know, stories do come out conveniently to help either boost or maybe even lower somebody's leverage? Does that happen? Um, I, I, don't, I don't think it happens too much. If, if it does happen, know that it is a part of the agent strategy. There's different there's different strategies that we that we have that we must use to get to get the team's attention. Just know that, and, and you know we sometimes if if it takes us leaking a story or leaking a team that's interested or whatever, um, we, we would do that. We have our number one thing is we have to get it done. We have to get it done, and you know I, I'm not necessarily saying that you know agents do it on purpose, but you know I, I do believe that. It, it happens. To answer your question, it happens. <laughs> yes, and, and with okay. that said, we also have... Oh, go ahead, Tyson. No, okay, Joe, you're good. Okay, yeah, and with that said, we also have a, a quarterback in Geno Smith. But our quarterback situation right now is kind of in flux. If you were representing a quarterback yourself and he was coming to sign to just, like, what kind of deals would you be looking for for a free agent quarterback? Are you just giving him kind of a... Uh, maybe a one-year deal, show-me deal where he can boost his stock, or, or you know, what would you look at? Oh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely looking like if, if it's something like that, and a guy, if I know he can come in and beat out the the, the, the current guy that's in there, I'm definitely looking for a one-year deal, a one to two-year deal. Um, that you know, he can boost his stock, as you said, and uh, we can get the most, we can get the most out of it. Um, I think, uh, what's the D tackle's name? Um, I'm blanking out right now. Um, <clears throat> Uh, the D tackle from Seattle. I forgot his name. Uh, with the brother from uh, Chicago. Uh, I'm blanking out. Anyway, uh, I'm blanking out. Anyway, he played a one, played signed a one year deal last year, and look, look at him. He, he played, he played very well, and he got, he got a, a big contract. Um, that's the things that, that's the things that happens. If you believe in your guy, and your guy believes in that, you know, you're a team. You're a team with you and your guy. You're a team. So if we make that decision together, then this is the plan. You know, that's the plan, and we must do whatever we need to do to to execute that plan. So, yeah. So, like, we, but if know, you have, 
But I'm, I'm sorry to cut you up. So you have you have a guy. Just say, just say for example, just like a Ryan Mallett or something like that, a player of that kind of guy that's unproven but could have a huge upside. Would you be more leaning to saying, listen, we'll get you in the just say the Jets. We'll get in the Jets building for the first year, say five million, with maybe an option for a second year. Because if he lights it up, you're going to want a big deal for him. You know, like it's kind of right. like do you do you kind of deal it with like incentives with an option instead of saying, listen, we'll take a three-year deal at $15 million, but or do you say, listen, we're going to do a one-year deal, like kind of a show-me kind of deal, and then go like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anything to maximize this. You know, football, uh, NFL stands not for long. So, like I said, this is a business. And, you know, if, if I know that Ryan is, is speaking an example, if I know that Ryan is going to come in, he's going to do well, he's going to do well, then, yes, I do want that one-year deal because it's going to show all 31 other teams but he's for real. He's playing, and he's a he's a he's a hot guy. And right now, you want your guy to be hot. That's what you want. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I guess my my next question for you, and once again, we're talking to Dante Robinson, who's been so kind to give us some time tonight. Is how much of an issue for you is social media? I mean, right now, like in the off season, players have a lot of free time in their hands. Obviously, they're training and doing their thing, but. Do you worry about their use of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram? And do you monitor that at all? Or like, do you have a code of conduct? Or how do you handle that from an agent perspective? I, I don't have a code of conduct. I do uh, I do um, check on my guys' um, <clears throat> Twitter and Instagrams and things like that. Um, I don't have an issue with it as long as um, they're not, you know, doing something that can uh, jeopardize their career. Um, you know, I know I know at the end of the day these guys are kids, they're still young. Um, they're going to post pictures of them having fun on cruises or you know, at the beach. They're gonna say things on Twitter, but as long as your language is not offensive or you know, you're not being you're not you're not being disrespectful to anybody like that, I don't have an issue with that. Um I try to tell guys, um, you know, don't let it don't let it control you. Um, you know, you control it. But uh, I don't have an issue with the question. Yes, and with that said, especially a follow-up on social media, we, we see them go through a lot of kind of courses about, you know, how to handle themselves off the field as far as players and what to do. Do you ever kind of push your players or, or advise your players to go to as many courses as they possibly can, or do you guys have any type of courses that you give yourselves as well to prepare them for that spotlight? Absolutely. And I also think that the NFL does a very well job, a very good job of uh, preparing these guys uh, for what for what to look for. Hey, man, the social media thing has changed. You know, right now, the social media, even with college athletes, even with anybody else, the social media is the best way, the quickest way, the easiest way for a fan to hope and pray that you respond to him or retweet. That is the ultimate. Right now, it's about fan reaction. That's the way the game is going right now. And, you know, that's why social media is as big as, big as it is. Um, you know, some people. You know, I I look at uh I look at different uh, twitters and stuff like that, and and the way people. I'll take Jamal Crawford one for for once, uh, from the from the L.A. Clippers. He's a, he's a Seattle guy, and Jamal <clears throat> Jamal uses his twitters to interact with his fans. Uh, he has Q and A's, um, giveaways, and things like that. But Jamal's always positive, always talking about sports, always talking about sending a good positive vibe out there to the Twitter world and. Things like that. You use it like that. It shouldn't be any issues. Uh, but you know that's that's no. I, I mean, I cut you off. Yeah, I definitely agree. And we see it like on, on our radio show. We get you know all kinds of interactions from fans, and we see them all. Like you said, you, you try to engage with the players and get a response. And 
And you see certain players, like just say like a Demario Davis, for example, he always displaying a very positive message. It's always he's very active, but he's always very positive, promoting good things. You know, like TJ Barnes, guys like that. You could see. And then there's some players you see that we won't mention that these things. You're like, man, and like it's just not a good look. Right. And you wonder, like, I wonder why the agent has to step in and say, listen, either change your philosophy. Like you want to you want to keep your personality, but you don't want to kind of ruin your image at the same time. So it's like you said, social media is so interesting to see how different players handle it. Um, but the last question I have for you, and once again, we're talking to Dante Robinson from Elite Sports Agency, is you know the big story this week was Peyton Manning coming out. He's going to play one more year, supposedly. That's, that's the plan. How do you handle a player when it comes to the end of the line where you say, listen, you know, it's like it may be time to hang him up, or it's you know, the contract you want is probably not going to happen. Maybe you should try this. Like, how do you handle situations where it's, it's not good news for your client? Well, you know, speaking of Peyton Manning, Peyton, let's, let's, we got to give credit to what's credit due, in my opinion. Peyton's a guy who, <laughs> Peyton's a guy who's a monster. Peyton could still play at a high level. He can't do the things that he used to do. He can't uh, <laughs> escape, or never was able to escape. But um, he, he just can't do the things that he used to do. But um, Peyton is a guy who can play at a, still play at a high level. And I, at that opinion. Um, Peyton, Peyton's agent is, is a he's a he's a great guy. He knows what he's doing, and you know if Peyton can still play at that level where he's not ruining the team, not ruining the team. That's a, that's a major thing to, to understand. He's not hurting the team, um, so he can still play. He can still play. So I'm I'm going to tell him as his agent, hey, let's go for it. You know, if you feel like you can go one more year, if your body's okay, if you if your mindset is there, let's go for it. If not, then we need to hang up the cleats. And you know, trust me, Peyton is taking his time. He's talking to his family, and he's and he's judging his body and letting him know that I can go one more year. Uh, he continues to amaze us, you know, and uh, that's that's the way it is. Um, I'm going to tell him to go. He can go as go if you can go one more year until you start hurting the team, until until you get pulled out of a game or anything like that. Then now it's time to hang cleans up. But no, he has not done any of that. So yeah, no, I'm I, tell him I, I would. De- yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. But with say say like a player that doesn't have that same. Say it's like you know a running back that slowly but surely you see the decline where now it's like if he does come back and, you know, like say there's like a possible injury concern where you can see the hips are wearing down or, you know, a player like that, do you say, listen, I, you know, I appreciate your desire to keep playing, but, you know, teams may not call or you may only get, let's say, a, like a, a veteran minimum contract this year. Do you have that honest conversation or do you kind of let them, like, how do you handle that? Like the, you know, like when they're in almost like their last year of their career. Oh yeah, um, you know I've had talks with guys before. It's that's one of the hardest things of our job. We have to let guys know. We have to be realistic with guys and say, "Hey, listen, you know this is why, this is why it's important for you to graduate from college in the first place." Now you have not only I tell guys this, you know, not only that when you're in the, when you're in the NFL, use the NFL as a platform. Use the NFL for the connections. Use the NFL for 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 your post career. So when it comes time to have that talk, which I've had before, yes, it's the hardest thing to do. And guys accepting that, guys don't always want to accept that. You know, they everybody believes they can play one more year. Everybody believes they can play two more years. But, hey, it's time to accept that. It's time to accept the fact that you've done your time. You've done your time, and it's over, you know, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, it, you just you just handle it. It's something that you you, you got to do. You know, you just got to handle it. It's it's a hard yeah, thing for I, us to do. I don't envy you there, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, I don't. That situation. That's a tough situation. I don't envy you. I mean, as exciting it probably is to tell him you landed a big contract for him. It's probably twice as tough to say, you know, I'm sorry that you know it's not going to work out as planned. So that's got to be, yeah. you know. So 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 now that you got us all excited about Keith Lewis, next question is, when's he coming on our show? <laughs> oh man, you know, I, I actually, you know, it was funny because you know I actually told Keith I was coming on the show, and we actually can have him any time. You know, honestly, uh, we can get him on, and you know, he's he's excited to be a Jet, and I think you guys are going to be excited about him. Uh, we can get him on any time. We'll make sure we make the connection and get him on. Awesome. Thank you very much, Dante. First of all, thank you for your time tonight, and, you know, good luck with the whole combine process and the draft process. We'd love to talk to you again. Because, you know, it's a lot of times, you know, we, we read about a lot of these things, but we don't know, like, the ins and outs or the behind the scenes. We kind of assume it. So for you to share this insight with us is greatly, greatly appreciated. No problem. I really appreciate you guys always having me on, and you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure I, you know, keep the news going for the, from the combine and make sure that guys are, uh, you know, you know, try to get as much news as possible. Absolutely, man. Thank you much for your time tonight, man. We appreciate it. All right, buddy. You guys enjoy. Thank you. All right, Joe. We got it. We had an action-packed show tonight. We started out with just kind of me and you chat, and then we got Tommy Bohannon on and, and Dante Robinson, who. To me, I could talk to him for hours because he has so much like, behind-the-scenes knowledge of things that we just don't know how they handle. Exactly. That was it. Was great to get to talk to him. Uh, like you said, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, just a lot of and a lot of things. How to deal with players as well. How he was, you know, dealing with guys that were coming out of the draft. It just it just turns out to be just a crazy show. Two really good guests coming on. Yeah, no doubt. And he he's very good because he's very honest. And it's just like, you know, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes, especially for the combine. You know, you put up your numbers, good or bad, then it's about marketing your player, getting them out, getting your word out, you know. And I thought that was an interesting nugget about McCagnan and Bowles, where they're going defense. He's like, they want a strong physical defense, which I found fascinating. Yeah, it's a, it's, you never know, man. You never know what you can get out of an agent. He, you know, he's, he's a great follow on Twitter, and, you know, he, he's very informative. So I, I really appreciate, like, just getting his insight on everything. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when he talked about, you know, talking to a guy about, you know, pricing themselves out the market and trying to explain to them like, hey, listen, just calm calm down. Let's just let the let the process work through. It's just it's a really good interview. Very knowledgeable guy. Very very smart. Very very solid guy. Yeah. So you know, like I said, we we covered a lot tonight. I mean, we went we went from the roster to you know the free agency to now the draft and the combine. We pretty much come full circle. So you know, just for everybody, you know. We're on iTunes. You know, we, we have a Facebook page now. Let's talk Jets. Obviously, based on our, our reactions on Twitter, you know what our Twitter account name is because our things get constantly blown up. But it's it's funny, especially the guys. Joe, the funniest thing is our good friends from the UK and Ireland. You can tell a time difference because just when we get ready to go to sleep, they light up our page with comments from from the show. So that's Slim. That's Biff. It's Marty. Um, our good friend Dave, dude, they just light things up. And it's just like, whatever we say, they check all our facts, they check all our names, and they just come out as strong and fierce. Yeah, absolutely. I'm get, I get hit all the time from, from Dave, uh, from Slim, from Biff, like you said. All, all those guys in the U.K. are definitely, you know, they'll, they'll let you know what their opinion is, and they'll let you know uh, what they think about what's going on and what you said for sure. Yeah, no doubt. So, and like I said, we we always appreciate it. We're trying to do a lot more things, arrange more shows, and have you know time a little bit so we can get people on from you know overseas or, or wherever else. And also another thing is we appreciate you guys sending us all your blog posts and stuff too. We try to promote as much as we can. We appreciate it. So 
It's it's never a dull moment on this show. That's for that's for damn sure, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> there's always something going on, and like you know, like I said, I, I definitely enjoy uh, the UK guys as well. And thank you guys again for you know sending all your blog posts. You guys are are great writers and things like that. I definitely read all the stuff you guys send, and it's just it's just very fascinating. You know, it's always just good to talk just talk football with different people. So it's always great. Yeah, no doubt. So Joe, before we let you go, let me go. Let us all go. We we gotta um let everybody let, let everybody know your uh, your Twitter handle and the um your Facebook your your YouTube account. Yes, yes. My my Twitter is young j zero zero zero. That's three zeros. Tweet me, follow me, troll me. I will tweet you. I will follow you back, and I will troll you as well. We can troll together. <laughs> my YouTube is young j zero zero. Um, I usually do three games of the week uh, during the season. Uh, you know, different games. One game is always the Jets game, and I pick the winners, and I talk about, you know, the facts of the game, why I think I, why I think who's going to win and why I think who's going to lose. Um, clearly with the season being over, it's going to be Jets news, generally NFL news as well, moving the stakers, things that's going on, free agency, the draft as well. So that will be coming up. Um, I'll be doing uh, position stuff with the Jets, talking about different positions, what I think it should happen in those positions as well. Um, so that's going to be exciting coming up on the channel. And like I said, you know, tweet me, follow me. Comment, rate, subscribe on my videos, and I definitely respond back. Uh, it's always great to just get all the love. Um, you know, UK or not UK stateside guys, you guys are just awesome. Well, you know what? I think we have a surprise caller here again. So this is the show of surprises. So I'm not going to scream this call. I'm just going to bring him on. So, <laughs> what's up, man? This is Joe Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing? Good. What's up, fellas? How you guys doing? We're doing good, man. I see. I, th- I knew it was going to be you, Chris, because you're 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 the late arriver for us. But <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you are, yeah, yeah. We 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 this is Chris Capella. This we 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 had Tommy Bohannon on, Dante Robinson, and now you. I mean, what better show can we have right now? Oh man, guys, I'm honored. I'm sorry I wanted to get in earlier. I was playing some pickup hoops. You know, I gotta have some priorities too. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's uh, so, on your so mind, what's man? What's going on? You know, you know, I haven't been able to catch a whole lot of the show. I saw. The preview was talking a lot of free agency predictions. I'm kind of curious on what your guys' take is on, um, you know, like the quarterback situation coming up. Obviously, you know, that's that's the most important position in football, and I kind of want to know how you guys feel about things. I mean, I, I'll, I'll start off and say it's uh, – we, we talked about this earlier a little bit. I said I think there's a good chance that we don't even draft a quarterback this year. I think that if – you know, I think it's Mario to a bust for the Jets. I think they're going to explore other options. And I think the options could be limited. You know, I think they're saying that, you know, Bradford could be resigned, Mallets can be resigned. So you're probably looking at like a Fitzpatrick, maybe a Hoyer, something like that, and, you know, and give Gino a chance to win the job again and, and with, with an eye towards next year. I mean, that's kind of my feeling. Joe, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I pretty much echoed the same stuff with, with you know, the free agency market kind of drying up. Uh, I would hope that we would be able to do something and get Sam Bradford in here, but I would definitely wouldn't blow the bank for him or trade away any kind of picks like that but it's looking like the market's drying up i don't think we draft anybody either um because a lot of those guys are going to have to sit one year after at least after winking and Mariota, uh you don't know you know a lot of those guys kind of fall off a cliff um as far as talent wise uh so i, I think this could be where we either get a stopgap guy like a colt mccoy um and or a mallet as well and we kind of see what happens and and, and give gino as much of a competition i guess as He's gonna get this year, and then uh, we kind of sh- sh- we kind of shore up all the other stuff around him as far as our 
offensive line positions and our secondary and our, you know, our linebackers as well and shore that stuff up to give whoever is in that position, uh, you know, more than enough to succeed. Uh, that's, that's just kind of where I'm at with the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of with you guys there. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot out in the market, and there is just so much to sure up. I, I think the offensive line is um, something the Jets have to take a serious look at at this point. Um, with the Brickishaw Ferguson getting a little older, I don't know a whole lot about the guard play coming into this year. Um, and, and you know, just when you're when you're four and twelve, you've got. I mean, you can work on everything. Um, the thing I'm interested in is I, I think Winston's a stud in this draft. I'm not sure about you know up top in the head. But when it comes to Mariota and say if he were to be at six with the Jets, um, I think that's that's a position, a really unique position where you got to really listen to some offers at six. You know, maybe Philadelphia, uh, Cleveland, stupid Cleveland rumors are swirling, swirling around, I guess. But uh, I think Philadelphia is a team that could be really interested in. I'm kind of in that group that wouldn't. I'm not saying I'm for Nick Foles, but I wouldn't be against bringing in Nick Foles if that were the case to happen there. Yeah, see, and we, you know, my, my quite, well, I agree with you to a point. I think at six, if you get overwhelmed with an offer, I think you definitely take it because at this point, the more draft picks, the better. Hopefully that McCadden can make something happen with them. But the question I have for you is, if Foles does get traded here, just for example, he does, don't you think he's going to want a new contract? I mean, he's going to want some kind of stability. He's coming to a new team, new offensive coordinator, new offense. He's going to be like, listen, I'm in a contract year. Why would I come here? I want some kind of stability. Don't you think that would be the case with him? Yeah, I think it would be the case, but I think it's also one of those situations where you just kind of tell him tough luck. You know, he doesn't have a lot of the leverage. He's being traded, and you put him on that one-year deal and say, if you want a contract, go out and, you know, go and ball out this year. I think that would have to be the case. I don't, you know, I think if they're bringing in Nick Foles, I wouldn't be for them just extending him to, you know, like a three-year deal or anything like that. I'd say let's go with this one-year deal and and see what happens from there. If it were to happen, I think, in, in my opinion, that's that's what I would most like to happen going into this off season. You what to get Foles or to trade out of six? Uh, both actually. Yeah, that, and it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm not a Foles hater. I mean, you can make an argument for or against them, and and the thing is, like we talked about before, it's just like you know. If if a quarterback is available right now, they're going to have flaws. Because if he was good, he wouldn't be available. So no matter yeah. if it's a locker, a Foles, a Hoyer, we could pick apart them all. So you, you have to have some kind of faith in Chan Gailey at some point and say, hey, listen, hopefully he can maximize his talent and make the kid a player here. And maybe, hey, you never, maybe even Geno prospers. You never know. Uh, my <laughs> question for you is, what is your take on the Jets secondary? I mean, there was an article that came out today saying, you know, if Revis comes available, throw all the money you, you have at him, you know, which I don't agree with at all. Do you are you a fan of Cromartie? Like, what would you do there in terms of free agency? Yeah, I think in in terms of Cromartie, like if a guy wants to come and play in New York, then I think you got to try, especially in an area of need, you got to try and go and get him. Um, because when you're the Jets and you've had the type of you know stupid media coverage that you've had, and it doesn't seem like a really nice spot to play right now. You know, if someone wants to come back, I think you go and get him. So I'm definitely in favor of Cromartie. The cap space is there. It's an area of need, and I think when he's healthy, he's you know towards the top tier of cornerbacks in this league. I, I'd definitely be about bringing bringing back Cromartie. As for Revis, you know, I'm not sure if I'd be willing to throw all of that money at him. I, I don't know, like you know, you just don't win. You don't win like with me with Revis. Like I think he's one of those guys who's going to want the money, and he's also going to want an opportunity to to win a Super Bowl right away. 
And the Jets might be able to bring one of that with the money, but not both, not with the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. I think, like, you know, the Patriots were in a good position where they felt like if they brought in Revit, they could win a Super Bowl with them. With the Jets, that's not the case. So I don't know if I'm if I'm throwing a ton of money at Revis. I definitely would with Cromartie. And, you know, you just got to stack up on as many cornerbacks as you can with how bad they were. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that point, Chris. I'm also wondering, I heard you speak about showing up the offensive line earlier. I'm wondering, are there any guys that in the draft or in free agency that you look at that you would definitely identify as guys we need to go after? Um, you know, I'm really not. I have to admit I haven't been keeping up as much with the draft and potential free agents maybe as I should have to prepare for you guys. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I, I like the way uh, Obushi played at guard at the end of the season. You know, I still think Mangold is one of the best centers, if not the best center in the league. I still think the Brickishaw is one of the best left tackles. But Cologne and Gio Camano, uh, I can't even say his name right now, Giacomini, um, they were terrible last year. Giacomini is like my, my least favorite player on the team. He was such a fake, tough guy. And, uh, you know, I think any any competition that you can bring in for that right side of the line would be really good. I know they drafted Dozier last year, and he's kind of a project. So, um, I, I'm you know, I, I'm just in favor of competition. You're 4-12 and 12 last season. You can get better everywhere. So just bring in good players, and the, and the best players should play. Yeah, I, I agree, too. And the, the key is hopefully that there's a sense of accountability and competition actually means competition where these guys will, yeah. you know, if you earn your reps, you get your reps instead of, you know, just throwing things out there and it's not actually happening. Yeah, yeah. And I know I saw that article today or uh, at least Kellen Winslow tweeting today about how, you know, he didn't feel like he was brought in some competition. What a bunch of garbage that was, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's you know, it's funny. It's like he, he got busted for steroids and everything else. He's worried about his playing time, which was completely <laughs> comical. Um, yeah, it's the truth, man. It just is what it is. Um, Chris, what is your like? Is your do you have like one prime target? Like, is there one splash free agent where you get you like this is made like you know this is my off season? Is it like would you want to get rid of Harvard and get a Randall Cobb or what is what is your splash move for this off season? Um. I think keeping Harvin, first of all, I think I, I've, I'm in favor of bringing back Harvin, maybe trying to restructure the deal a little bit. But, you know, if he needs some extra cash and he needs some extra cash, I think I'm in favor of that. Um, as for one guy, you know, I, I do like Demarius Thomas. I don't think I'll be as excited if he comes to town, if that were to be the case, he doesn't get franchised. Um, I would definitely be excited. I mean, it, it's definitely a big upgrade in talent. Demarius Thomas would probably make my offseason – and the one uh, – I, I think the run, running back's an interesting position. I saw a few articles on it today. Um, one kind of like under-the-radar guy who might not mean a whole lot, but I really like Shane Vereen. If we could take him from New England, I think that would be pretty awesome. He's a pretty balanced back. I know he has wait, an Chris, injury Chris, history a little Chris, well, hold on, Chris. Did you just say he's under the radar? <laughs> what, what do you mean? He's like he's probably the biggest – he's going to get like $5 million a year. He's far from under the radar in terms of a running back, No. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize he was so in demand. I honestly didn't. Oh, I'm just busting your chops, dude. But we, yeah. we talked about him earlier, and like we're we're saying, based on his ability, like you know, like a, he's probably arguably the best receiving running back, you know, in the football. That he'd be a great fit with the Jets, obviously. But I think he's going to command some pretty good money just just based on his performance in the Super Bowl alone. Interesting. I, I think running back's kind of like that position now where you either get a lot of money or there's really not a market for you, right? I mean, I guess it's kind of one way or the other. It doesn't seem to be a whole lot of a middle market. 
No, I would definitely agree with that. I mean, yeah, no, I, like we, it's funny. We just had this conversation. Like we're saying, like you know what? I wouldn't overpay for a Demarco Murray or somebody like that, but you can justify it for Shane Vereen. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's very weird. Like we say, running backs are a dime a dozen, but sometimes a running back that's a good pass protector, good receiver, good runner that you maybe spend a little bit more on. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how much did they spend on Chris Johnson this past off season? Oh, that guy. Jeez. It wasn't. It wasn't a lot. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would. I definitely. You know, I'd like to go after Shane Vereen. Just you know, upgrade upgrade the offensive talent, please. Whatever they can do to to just bring in good players, it would be would be fine with me. Okay, and uh, with that said, we got a guy. You know, with our our, our linebacker thin being pretty, uh, our linebacker core being pretty thin. I was wondering, what do you think about bringing back David Harris? Would you let him test free agency and go elsewhere, or would you immediately try to re-sign him and bring him back? Oh, man, I, I think that's the toughest decision they're going to make all offseason, with Harvin included. I, I really do, because there isn't a whole lot behind David Harris. Um, I think if he hits the free agent market, he's probably going right up to Buffalo and following Rex around. So I think there's always that risk that you have or maybe even Buffalo overpays him a little bit. I don't know their cap situation too well. Um, I think you would try and bring David Harris back. I don't know what the what the free agent market is like, but if you're letting David Harris go, all of a sudden you've got a really big need in the middle of that of that defense. Uh, that's my opinion, at least. Yeah, we 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 interviewed Demario Davis a couple of weeks ago, and Demario was like, he's ready to take on the role and be a leader, which is fine. But you still need a guy next to him, though. So it's def it's definitely yeah. a role there. So. You know, it's it's what interesting. Like think? we said, what would you guys do? Man, I, you can make a case for and against. You could you could say you want a young guy with speed that's aggressive, or you could say you know, David Harris is very consistent. He's physical. He's a leader. He's respected. Give him another one year deal. Give him you know one year with an option for a second and bring him back. You know, like same thing with, with Pace and Babin. They brought him back. I think it's smart. And the worst case scenario, if it doesn't pan out, you cut him. You're not tied to him. Cause you're not getting big money. You know what I mean? So you can make a case for both sides. I, I wouldn't hate the move they brought him back though. That's for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And Todd Bowles, I know Bowles blitzed with that Arizona defense more than any other coordinator did on defense. And if there's one real true strength of David Harris's game, I mean, he's a great blitzing linebacker. He really yep. is coming up the middle. And, that, I mean, that could suit him perfectly. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's kind of the way that I feel exactly. Um, I just would like to see him come back with, for the right number. Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. If he can come back and we can get a deal done and – it's the right cap number for if he comes back at that right number, then you bring it back. But if not, you know, we just have to let him go and go elsewhere. I'm sure Bulls has some guys lined up, too, if, if Harris were to go. You know, I, I trust that Bulls, with, you know, I think he's a pretty good defensive mind. I trust that he could have something lined up, too. Yeah, I think I think there's there's several guys. I think McCagney and Bulls by their eyes and guys – that they're familiar with and things they can do. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very, really interesting to, to uh, see how it all pans out. Chris, I'm sorry to do this to you, but we're getting ready to wrap this up. we got about a minute left. But you got to call in more often, dude. We love talking to you and listening to your insight. <laughs> yeah, thank you, guys. I, I, I promise I will. I promise I will. And, uh, you know, i got to come a little more prepared next time. I, I, I came right into the dungeon. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Uh, good show, as always. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. We got a reputation to live up to, I guess, right, Joe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, you're going to get peppered. You better be prepared. <laughs>
Once again, man, we want to thank Tommy Vahannon for calling in and Dante Robinson for calling in. We will tweet out their information, make sure everybody follows them. We're on iTunes, and we're on at Talk Jets Radio on Twitter, and Let's Talk Jets on Facebook. So, Joe, it's been fun, man. We'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, it's been fun, man. Can't wait for the next show. <laughs> talk to you later, man. All right, peace. Stay there.